Hey kids, him and her on the radio at WGN, Steve King and Johnny Putman. That's us. Last time I checked? Yeah. And we're taking you on the road with us tonight. Uh, we are broadcasting from the palatial studios of WKGC-FM in Panama City, Florida at uh, Gulf Coast State College. And that's no joke when we say palatial studios. we got elbow room. we got places to spread out here. Yeah. It's very comfortable. And we're going to be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. Whether you like it or not. This is true. <laughs> a full show. No more Blackhawks interruptions until way on down the road. And we have a, a slew of people helping us sound uh, like we know what the heck we're doing. We're going to learn stuff tonight. We're going to have fun. You're going to meet some great people, too. Yeah, we really are. But we want to introduce you to some of the people that are uh, keeping us on the radio, <laughs> yes. both in Chicago and in Panama City, Florida. And let's start uh, back at WGN Radio with uh, uh, the, the man who, at the moment, is the keeper of the big plug, he without whom there would be no us to be heard, and yes. that would be uh, your Bart Jackson. Hey, Bart, how you doing, man? No, that's Brett. Brett. Why did I say Bart? <laughs> Either that's works. A- No, it doesn't. On the radio, you are definitely a Brett, and you are the keeper of the big plug for the next few hours, right, Brett? Uh, For the next two hours, and then you will have your normally scheduled engineer, which will be Dan Long. All right, sounds good. Are we doing okay on this end? Yep, we're actually doing quite well. Good, good, excellent. Also, back from Buffalo, New York, is our producer, Andrew B. Harris, who is, he's been back with Lisa Dent because he's now the producer of the, uh, one of the producers of the afternoon show. Hello, Andrew. I'm actually going by Bart Jackson now. Uh, (laughs) It's a cool name, isn't it? (laughs) It sounds like a Western name, Bart Jackson. You don't mess with him. And and, and what's this about you singing? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, um... Flashback to, I think, the first week I was uh, filling in for the uh, Lisa's show. Yeah. Um, I think it was a Friday evening. It was uh, the day that, uh, rest in peace, uh, that um, Bobby Caldwell died. And I was uh, letting oh. Lisa know that uh, What You Won't Do For Love is one of my go-to karaoke songs. So she decides to say, you should sing it on air. And I'm thinking oh. she's joking. And then come the second segment, uh, really? she mentions it. And then uh, our sports anchor, Kevin Powell, goes... Hey, you should sing it. And so I just, uh, yeah, so I got bullied. I got a. Uh, hey, Andrew? <laughs> pure you got into bullied it. into it. Hey, Andrew? Yes. You should sing it. <laughs> no, I'm good. He's good. <laughs> no, he's maybe, maybe a death. different karaoke song. Maybe a different karaoke song. Okay, we'll okay. work on that. So a little later tonight, some karaoke <laughs> you never from know. Andrew. Oh, yes. <laughs> that in the newsroom, Ron Brown. Hey, Ron, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I uh, got a chance to see that rockabilly band that I was telling you about just you last did. night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they rocked the house. It was a lot of fun. I wish and, you were there, but I, I and, know. And what's the name of the band, and where did you see them? Uh, Al Simon and the Saturn Kings, and I saw them at a place called Carrie's on Devon and Western. Oh, okay. that's a neat little place, too. Yeah, it's a little place. It's it's intimate, yeah. as they say. Yes, yes. Well, you also put up, a, was it your ticket from the Queen concert that you literally paid like $5.50 to see Queen? January 1977, yeah. It was one of the Did first just- rock concerts, yeah. Did you just come across a ticket stub? And, and because you, that popped up on my Facebook feed and went, what? I, I was around then. I probably could have gone to that concert, but I don't remember them being that cheap. I saved those ticket stubs. I don't know why, but I just did. I'm glad yeah. that I did. So Yeah. And it was fun. actually only $5? 
Yeah, there were five, six fifty, and seven fifty for the really good seats, though. <laughs> They're good seats. That's amazing because because I think I've told you that's what I paid to see the Beatles at Comiskey Park in '65. Five dollars. Wow. Yeah, but wow. we didn't think the Beatles were going to go anywhere. We knew Queen were. They were hot. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, those were the days long gone. Yeah. Well, you're with us, and then Gabe is back in the house uh, this week, right? Yeah, Gabe is over here uh, working away, slaving okay. over a, well, over a high, hot editing system, I think. Okay. And in the studio with us here... Yes, we have our in-studio executive producers. We have uh, with us Caleb Jordan. And Caleb is assistant professor of digital media here at Gulf Coast State College. And Caleb, thank you. At, at this rate, I think I like uh, I like Andrew's idea. I'm going to go by Burt Jordan. <laughs> you're going to be, okay. be Burt Okay. Bert, Bert, professor Burt Jordan. Well, like well that... Okay. If you like Andrew's idea, that means you have to do some karaoke later tonight, too. <laughs> oh, gosh. We'll see about it. <laughs> and there's no alcohol in the house, right? That's a, that doesn't come on campus. Not so yet. There's <laughs> also with us is Tom Hoots. Uh, Tom is, is instrumental, no pun intended, in, in pulling this all together for us. Because previously, we were able to broadcast from Tom's Studio 812. And then he was sick of us, so he said, yeah. "I got to find someplace else to put this." <laughs> Actually, I just went to the administration and groveled and said, "Please, you got to get him out of my studio." <laughs> because in reality, it was a big deal for Tom to rebuild a recording studio, make it into a radio studio, yeah. and that's what he did for a couple of times for us. And we're just tickled to be in here because I feel I loved it over there because it's so cozy and it's got such a nice vibe. But um, well, this is actually like a radio station, and it's also close to our house. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. Uh, Steve, this this is a radio station. Oh, yes, okay. right. One. It really, we really, it really, you were on here the other day. Well, yes, we were. We were here on Thursday with uh, Karen Morris. In fact, if you go to our Facebook page, that's facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, you'll see we posted a couple of pictures. This was one of the easiest drives in to do the show we've ever had, <laughs> which was surprising because the uh, Seabreeze Jazz Fest is going on down at Pier Park, which is about a mile away from our house down here. Yeah. But we drove past there. We drove over the. Uh, uh, over the bridge, and uh, we're now at the college, and uh, it was the easiest drive we've yeah. had maybe ever. Knock on for Micah. Here, yeah. or, or I could knock on your head, but you got headphones on. So <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back again. Stick with us tonight. You can get to us anytime at 312-981-7200. And a listener points out that, in fact, we have slipped into third winter in Chicago. Yes. And if you went to our Facebook page, you know I put up the different seasons because last week we were in the spring of deception when it was in the 80s. But now we're into third winter in Chicago. Um, you find all that stuff on our Facebook page, but tonight you can get to us at 312-981-7200 and stay with us here on WGN. Okay, here's a depressing thought. First of all, that was Alabama. Mm-hmm. Pass it on down. Yep. Today was Earth Day 2023. Yep. Alabama released Pass It On Down in April of 1990. Wow. And we're still yeah. wrestling well, with all of those problems that they sang about back in 1990. And Earth Day became official in 1970. Mm-hmm. So now, think of when you're listening to the lyrics of the song, you go, oh my gosh. I'm sitting here holding a, a bottle of water, yeah. <laughs> listening to the lyrics, going, whoa. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. I, I did a little back reading on, on Earth Day, and I, I I was around then. It was a very big deal when I was in high school. We all got together, and you know, we celebrated mm-hmm. Earth Day, and we became educated. And as I recall, one of the real positive things that happened was we we tried not to litter anymore. Yeah, that was. Believe it or not, kids, people used to litter like it wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. Just throw your crap on the ground, you know? So we have made some strides, but gosh, we got a lot of ground to cover. But 1970, President Nixon said, this is not just for the government to fix, but as a people, Mm -hmm. we have to get together. And it's not a partisan thing. We all have to make some changes so that we have a world. And sadly, and I'm, I'm... Tempering my words. Okay. Because sadly right now, I think in some areas, there is more controversy over is this a real thing than there was back in 1990 when Alabama released that song. Yes. And yeah, this is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to be, well. Yeah. I hope you guys found a reason to celebrate Earth Day today. I know it was pretty miserable weather to get out and do things. Um uh, in past years, um, much like Arbor Day, you know, you go out and do something so that you can get your hands dirty and feel the earth and feel like you're doing something positive. And hopefully you had time to do that today. By the way, we want to return to the uh, Bart Brett. Uh, what? <laughs> and, and I want to my mind was kind of going in a Western. You're scary area and yes. i i wasn't sure why but we had a texter who yes. said uh 630 texter said i think steve was thinking about the maverick brothers yes. when he called out brett and he called him bart because they were the brett and the bart brothers were the mavericks now, james garner was brett and who oh, was i don't bart? know uh, it, it was james garner simpson and, uh, oh not, <laughs> not that one <laughs> and who jack kelly Yes, Jack Kelly. Really? And, and, but there were like four of them, weren't there? James Garner, <laughs> Jack Kelly. Oh, and who are the Four other different two? brothers. There's Brett and Bart and Bill and, and Bo. There's uh, Robert Col- uh, Colbert as Brent, Ma- uh, Brent Maverick. And then yes. I'm assuming this one's Roger Moore as Bo. Yes, yes, Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. Yes. James Bond. James Bond. Listen to us. You just made our day, Say- Andrew. <laughs> Tom Hoots is just shaking his head. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is the important stuff, Tom. I, re- I realize it's important. I'm just... Okay. <laughs> uh, can I just do a quick shout-out, too, because I like to do this. Speaking of names, we have uh, some um, top fans on Facebook, and I want to give a shout-out to Judy B. and Linda Jarowski and Barbara Whitehead and... Um, Ron Oltman, they're, they're top fans. They have that rating next yeah. to their name, and I love that. But my absolute favorite text on our Facebook page came from Cindy Gia. says, quote, I don't care if you broadcast from the moon. Just broadcast. <laughs> okay, Cindy. <laughs> okay, we're Cindy. on it. <laughs> all right. Can, can we call Elon and see if we can do that? No, I'm ready. No, no. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> And Peggy Johnson Scott is listening, and Sandy McComas, and Mary Gold, and Bobby Danos, and oh gosh, again, you all can get a hold of us through Facebook, but tonight on the show, you can contact us at 312-981-7200. That's for phone calls and texts, and we should mention a little bit of what we have uh, coming up a little later tonight. Uh, We're going to be checking in with a... uh, a very, very talented author that sadly we haven't talked with in too long a time. She's an internationally known 
author Jamie Frivoletti, and uh, she has a, a terrific new anthology that she is a part of, and we'll talk about that a little later. Then, uh, you remember our friend Jessica Radloff, the best-selling author of The Big Bang Theory, the definitive inside story. There's rumor of a new Big Bang show. Which we're all trying to wrap our minds around. What does that mean? The kids. Yeah, of where the, are they going to go? Yeah, the kids of the cast members. Who knows? Um, but maybe she will have some insight because she is an entertainment reporter uh, as well for Glamour magazine. And I, I hope she would edit herself and not mention what she mentioned on <laughs> uh, was it Twitter when she talked about uh, her experience meeting Cher, Cher and, uh, yes. and what she felt she was about oh, to do while right. she met Cher. She and, met uh, Cher because she was at the Carol Burnett birthday taping, yes. and that's coming up next week. So we got a lot to talk about uh, with Jessica Radloff coming up. And also, we're going to try and solve some computer problems a little later tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, our computer guru, Patrick Crispin, is going to join us. And yep. one of the things we're going to talk about is how the heck you determine what is, uh, Tom, you mentioned uh, Musk, how do you determine what is real and what's not real on Twitter these days? For example, it was just within the past 48 hours. Some people on Twitter pretended to be the mayor of Chicago and some of the other uh, high-profile people, and they were putting out things as the mayor of Chicago and some of the other people saying that roads were Lakeshore, closed? Lakeshore Drive is going to be closing down. Yeah, the the uh, certification check mark thing is just yeah. gotten just over the hill on yeah. this whole thing because if you didn't pay. No matter who you yeah. were, if you didn't pay, they just took your check mark away. Well, yep. now all of a sudden, you've got all these unverified people saying they're. Yeah. Uh, they've got a check mark. They've got a check. Yeah. Well, they don't say they have a check mark. They just are out there broadcasting as if they were you. They'll change a character or something in yeah. the tw- in the Twitter name and go on and. Yeah. I was it's kind it's going to be confusing for a while, but well, Patrick's going to explain to us what this means because I was kind of stalked by somebody with a check mark last week, quite seriously, and it was mm-hmm. really troubling to me because I, I felt like he he felt because he had the blue check mark that anybody that he was going after would think he was legit. I'm I'm not sure and, how legit the check mark makes. I think it just means that Elon got nine dollars and fifty cents from you. But <laughs> but yeah. the, the history of the importance uh, yeah. has has changed without the the audience really 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 being aware of it yeah of, of the difference that's yeah. made me very nervous but well, we will uh, get into that and a whole lot more yeah. coming up stay with us at wgn girl put your records on because mm-hmm. this is record store day yes it is it's a national holiday as you, it should be if you didn't know it's a holiday for independent record shops across the country in fact around the world uh, thousands of record stores get involved in this and we thought it would be fun to find out what's happening at one of our favorite record stores. And the guy behind the record bin is Tom Lounges of Tom Lounges Record Bin, where the cool kids go. Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, I love that introduction. And we're still waiting for our favorite cool kids, uh, you and Steve, to come down here yeah. and visit us. We, we got to do that. We yes, really we do. Yes, we do. Uh, now, you have two locations, Tom, right? Hobart and uh, Michigan City, yep. Indiana? Yes, we do. Michigan City has a full stage in there. We do some live concerts from time to time. But Hobart is our main base and our original store. And when did you open the Hobart store? Was that like five years ago? 
Yeah, it's just over five. In fact, this summer we're going to have our fifth anniversary. Not quite sure what we're doing yet, but I'd like to do like a parking lot party or something fun like that. We're okay. known for having parties and good times. Like today for Record Store Day, we put out free coffee and snacks. and We had live music in front, busking, and, mm-hmm. of course, store-wide sales. Uh, we celebrate Record Store Day uh, twice a year, which is Black Friday, and then they always do it in April. Mm-hmm. And we aren't part of the actual Record Store Day company, I guess you'd say, or pro- project program, mm-hmm. but uh, we do celebrate vinyl. Well, you mentioned that you started five years ago, so you really got in at the right time, because anybody who's paying attention knows that now record vinyl sales have surpassed CD. What, what kind of changes have you seen just in the past year? Well, you're right. CDs have dropped off considerably. Uh, vinyl is booming, and it's uh, we sell both pre-owned or pre-loved, as we like to call mm-hmm. it, and also brand-new vinyl of all different styles and weights. There's 140 gram, 180 gram. Uh, it's interesting, uh, the different conglomerations. For Like, for instance, Taylor Swift's new one. Uh, it comes in four different colors. And the hardcore fans, well... As you know, they're paying a fortune to see her live, and they yeah. don't even blink at buying four copies of the same album just because they're a different color. Are you carrying that album? Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. Really? Well, also, one of our, our, our dear friends, Amanda Shires, was the ambassador for this year's Record yes. Store Day, and they came out mm-hmm. with a, uh, uh, a new uh, some new vinyl. Also, our friends from The Empty Pockets. They have their purple vinyl coming out, uh, and uh, the Cashbox Kings have theirs out in yellow vinyl. And uh, you mentioned Love Tom those guys. I'm, uh, you know, I, I do a blues radio show myself. It's yes, all you do. Mm-hmm. Things. Cashbox Kings, they are the kings. I love their new yes. album, Oscars Hotel. Uh, yes. Those guys what? really are a throwback to the old Chicago blues sound, but not so old that the young kids can't relate to them. That's right. And it was so cool. I don't know if you saw the latest statistics, but their record is number one on the blues charts over in Europe now. Yeah. Wow. That's huge because wow. it's only been out for over a, here about a week ago at Memorial Opera House in downtown yeah. Valparaiso. Mm-hmm. And I and was supposed to be at that show, but something came up. I couldn't make it, and I'm still kicking myself. They have a show at Fitzgerald's on Sunday, tomorrow. Yes. So that yeah, we had them on. We did a record release for them a couple of weeks ago, and, and we're just tickled that things are going so well for them. What, what, what kind of uh, of audience are you getting now for people who want to buy vinyl? Is it uh, some of the oldsters, or are you getting a lot of the younger kids? Because more groups today are saying, "Yeah, put it out on vinyl." It's it's a mix. It really is a, a, a broad spectrum of age groups. For instance, it not only is the uh, the demographic of our customer base, but our store itself. I mean, I'm going to be 64 this year, and my manager, Riley, who's sitting here with me, uh, she just turned 19 this week. Mm. And she's an old soul and knows about things she should have no business knowing about. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons I hired her, she came in and we were talking, and she brought up Cap- Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa oh. and all these groups. I'm like, how do you even know about this? God but the kids her. today are really tuning in to some of these classics and vintage artists. 
Yeah, wow. So that Corrine Bailey Ray song was yeah. really for Riley <laughs> yeah. at 19 right, years old. Right. That's very cool. You, know, you were talking about CD versus LPs. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put her on real quick if that's okay. She's sure. day-to-day there and can tell you about some of the sale demographics. And you'd be surprised uh, to even know the cassettes are coming back. But this is Riley. She is our store manager in Hobart and uh, <laughs> Steve and Johnny. Hi, Riley. Hello. Hi. Hi, Riley. You're on WGN. We want to make it legal here. So, so what got you into <laughs> vinyl, Riley? Um, I think when I was, oh, maybe seventh grade, um, I had gotten my first record player, and um, I got, like, Green Day and different alternative artists, newer ones, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of started streaming more stuff and and didn't pay attention to records more or as much and then um I I went to this random shop in the middle of nowhere and they said whatever you can put in a tote bag um you you can take home for free and I got like Wayne Newton um Wayne Newton. like yeah like Oh, I love Wayne Noon. Um, like Barbara <laughs> Streisand, all these like older artists, and then I ended up falling down this rabbit hole. Um, and I absolutely adore records, and I adore the sound. Well, when people come in to buy uh, from you at the record bin, uh, is it just because records are cool and they see this as a as a phase, or are they saying that the sound is better, or they like holding the record to read the liner notes? What what kind of feedback are you getting? We have a lot of people that absolutely adore the liner notes. Um, I will have people, we have a listening station in the middle of the store, um, and so I will have kids sit there my age and just read the liner notes and actually appreciate the record for what it is more than just streaming it on a platform. And a lot of people like that physical copy of it. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned the listening station. You just hooked me back to uh, something that uh, I... Was one of my favorite moments. You used to be able to go into record stores, and in the record stores, they would have little booths like the size of a telephone booth. If anybody remembers what a telephone booth was, <laughs> and you would go in there, and you would be able to uh, take your forty-five or album or whatever, and put the needle down and just listen through headphones. Yeah, and that was something you couldn't do at home either because yeah. you didn't have headphones at home. Yeah, so that was a different experience. <laughs> yeah. That's very similar to what we have. Um, any of the pre-owned albums that we have, you can put on the turntable um, that we also sell in the store and uh, listen to it there and just kind of see what you think of the album. And it's a great way for people to experience different music that they're not sure if they're going to buy or not. You know, even I have ones, they'll get silly little dollar albums and put them on there and just enjoy the minute for it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Oh, cool. And and I'm glad you mentioned that you sell um, record players there, because a lot of people say, well, you know, I can go to a garage sale and pick up records, but what am I going to play them on? Or maybe they've got an old record player and they yeah. don't know where to get the needle, the stylus for it. So they could contact you guys and find out what kind of record players you have. Do you have them all prices, like some that are just you want to listen to the music or something that's a little bit more high end? What what would you say is available in the store? Um we usually have three to four different kinds of record players, um, all of the same brand, Audio-Technica. We carry um, ATLP3s, ATLP60s, and I believe 120s as well. Um, sometimes we carry the Bluetooth. I believe we have a few Bluetooth ones in stock. Oh, oh that's um, cool. Yep, but we, 
also use both ends in our store. So we carry the, the 60s that we have. Those are the listening table um, turntables that we have that people can demo. And then we also use um, the LP3s in the store as well to play music um, and the overhead speakers. Riley, you're obviously doing the right thing. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and you give me hope <laughs> for the <you>. future. <laughs> We're going to take <laughs> a break. You. Riley, Thank it's a you. pleasure to meet you. If you will put us back in touch with Tom, we'll take a break and we'll come right back and talk a little bit more with Tom Lounges of Tom Lounges Record Bin here on WGN. Talking about Record Store Day. And I am holding in my hands, even as we speak, an original copy of Disraeli Gears by Cream. Tom Hoots just uh, grabbed this from his files. What a great cover on oh, that album. Oh, yeah. And th- some of the stuff that was on here, Sunshine of Your Love, Strange Brew. Man, what a great, great yeah. album. We're, we're talking with Tom Lounges. He's the owner and founder of Tom Lounges Record Bin and music columnist and feature writer at the Times in Northwest Indiana. And Tom Riley is a find. Oh, my gosh, that girl is. She gives me hope for the future. Yeah, she is. I'll tell you, that's how I felt when I first met her. Yeah. Uh, she was 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, came to a couple of our open mics at the store when we were doing them pre-COVID. And we talked, and she told she tells me, although I don't remember this, that she applied for the job and tried to do an interview with me, and I didn't do, I didn't hire her because she was young, <laughs> and now I kind of kicked myself because I could have got her a year earlier. Oh, but boy. she went from being an employee and a you know shelf stalker and things yeah. to being uh, my store manager. She's also a buyer for the store. She does wow. a lot of that. She manages our website and does a lot of our marketing as well. So she is a fine because. You know, at my age, I don't understand all this Facebook, uh, Instagram oh, stuff. Oh, you do. And, <laughs> you do, too. <laughs> so, but, you know, but Tom, so she does all that for me. So so when you met her, she was just 17, you know what I mean, and the way she looked was way beyond compare. <laughs> oh, jeez, there we You'll go. You'll never dance with another because you saw, saw her, her standing, standing there. there. Yes. There uh, you tell- go. You know, she is a big Beatle fan, too, and she, George is her favorite, just like me, so we bonded on that, too. We have some texts coming in at 312-981-7200. And, um, uh, hi, Steve and Johnny. Tom Lounge's Record Bin is such a great store. We love having them here in Hobart. I'll definitely stop in and say hello if you both come in there. So Chuck says if we come in, he'll come in. So we're thinking maybe on your fifth anniversary when you have that parking lot party, maybe uh-huh. we can make we it out there. We may just have to come out there. Uh, when, is that going to be in July or when's that going to be? We're still trying to figure it out because I have to deal with the landlord and, and the people that share the parking lot and the city and make sure we get everything lined up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to do a big a big uh, throwdown. We're going to have a wang-dang-doodle, as Coco might say. <laughs> That's right. Yes. In fact, there was a release for Record Store Day, a special release of Coco Taylor's uh, first alligator record. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow, I, think I Coco, didn't catch yeah. that. I think Coco, and I think there was a couple other things that Alligator put yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I think the Coco saw, I couldn't believe Wang Dang Doodle is like 50 years old. Yeah. said just I know. slap upside the head. Also, if you would, please take a moment and go back to the business of grams when you're talking about records. I mean, people buy what they want to buy because they want to hear a particular song or they're fans of a particular group. But if they're real purist, what are they looking for? Uh, a listener says, well, well what, what do we know about this Graham nonsense? 
Well, if you remember, as I'm sure you do, the 60s and 70s, there was records were all over the place as far as quality, thickness. Oh, boy. Yes. You could, you could get the, what I think it was Camden from RCA, and you could basically bend them like a taco shell and they wouldn't break. And then there were other ones that were super thick and fragile. They came in all thicknesses and textures. And it was like all over the board. Every pressing plant, every label had different divisions of different records of quality. A lot of them wound up being the uh, the cheaper versions. Mm-hmm. Well, you, and you, you know the KTEL albums, for instance. That's um, right. Um, you yes. know, we all know those. Yes, uh, but but you, but you just, today. You just... I'm sorry, Steve, go ahead. I was just going to say, you made me think of one of the most disappointing experiences. There's a guitar player named Joe Scro. His last name is spelled S-G-R-O. Great guitar player. I bought his album, got it home, was able to play the album once. The next time I tried to play it, it was... It was such poor quality vinyl. I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe it. But you're right, there, there was such a... It was really a wide uh, range of what's know. good and what's bad, and you had no clue. I, yeah. I think the only thing was at London Records that you were pretty sure they had a pretty mm-hmm. good quality of vinyl that they were using. Right, especially the European printings back yes. then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stones and all the early stuff, exactly. Uh, one of the things, you know, people say, oh, KTEL Records, they were great, because you got, mm-hmm. you know, 30 songs on one LP. But if you look at them, the bandwidth was so narrow. You'd have a three-minute, four-minute song in the space of a quarter inch. Uh, (laughs) And when the grooves are that close, you're not getting a lot of sound. The wider the grooves, the more music in the grooves. And the needle rides on that, and you pick up more ambience and more sound. And that's why the 180 gram is really, according to what I understand, the engineers and experts in the audio fields feel that's the optimum weight because the the grooves are wider. There's more vinyl. And if you notice, you were talking about the Israeli Gears and some of the early albums. A lot of those, when we bought them back in our teen years, they were single discs. They were one album. Yep. Now you're finding a lot of these same albums, Hendrix, whomever, come in two vinyl LPs. They're four sides, but it's the same songs because they're putting two songs or three songs on one side instead of five or six. Right. Because the grooves are wider. Yeah. Huh. Okay, you are the owner and operator and the founder of the Record Bin Stores. A listener wants to know if you are the Tom Lounges that worked at Hegwish Records. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in the music business since my senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, I, I actually uh, managed a store called Highland Records on my, in my high school years. And then I went to Cal City Hegwish, and I wound up working there. I worked at Hammond Records and Tape Exchange. I uh, worked at different branches of Hegwish. There were seven locations at one time, and yeah. I worked at most of them at some point. Uh, yeah. Then I went on to also work as an import buyer and assistant manager at Woodmar Records in Hammond at the Woodmar Mall. Yeah. And eventually we opened a new Woodmar in Cherville. And that was my store. And then the big boxes came along and killed the music industry. Yeah. Back when I lived in uh, Calumet Calumet City, City. I used to go to Hegwish Records. That was such a special record store. George was a really great guy. He used to get material for us that we couldn't get anywhere else. He was really wonderful about that. But you see, somebody's out there going, I know this Tom dude. 
Yeah, and you can find him at the record bin, and you can find him in Hobart, and you can find him in Michigan City, Indiana. And, uh, Tom, it's always a great excuse to talk to you on the radio, but let's put our heads together off the radio and talk about this party yeah. sometime for the fifth anniversary. And, and tell Riley she okay. can come back anytime. Uh, yeah. You, maybe. <laughs> Oh, Riley's always welcome, right? I know. Yes. That's the response we get on her everywhere. Got it. Thank you so much, Tom. Happy Record Store Day. All right. Thank up. you much. I'll be in touch, and we'll talk more about getting together. All right. Thank you. More coming up at WGN. I was just doing a little bit of math. So in Stephen Johnny 1.0, we were up to 6,250 shows. Right. Tonight on Stephen Johnny 2.0. We are show number 16, and it was way back on 1.0 when we met this fabulous author who would run down to the Tribune Tower, and I think she literally would run down to the Tribune Tower and spend some late nights with us on the radio, and it's been forever since we've had a chance to talk to this woman who... She is now. She is an internationally known best-selling author of seven novels and four short stories. Uh, we loved her Emma Caldridge series. That's how we, we first met her. met her. That's right. Yes. I remember we were casting the movie when she came in to join us. Uh, mm-hmm. She also, uh, I remember the night she joined us to talk about uh, working on the Robert Ludlum series. Yep. And she joins us tonight on the radio to tell us what she's been up to all these years since we last spoke. She is Jamie Frevoletti. Jamie. Hey, Jamie. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi there. Were, it's so great to talk to you again. You too. I said you literally ran. I think one night you did run over because you are <laughs> you are like a distance runner. And you said you you came in wearing your running garb and it was like midnight. And you said, I just I just decided to jog down to the station. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was really fun times. So we go down the station, stay out all night. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, I remember when we first talked to you, too, you were still working as a lawyer in Chicago, You're right? still doing that? I was. Correct. No. Um, I, once I got the Ludlam contract, I had to write two books a year, so I put the um, law on hold for a bit. And I, honestly, I do miss it, but I haven't gone back. Mm-hmm. I think you're the only person I've heard admit to putting the law on, on hold. hold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the yeah, law on hold for a while. <laughs> yeah, for a while I was doing it. Uh, you have to do continuing legal education when you're an attorney. And for a while I was doing it, and I did it for copyright law because it helps with the books. But otherwise, I wasn't using it enough to really continue. So it's the um, license you just tell them I'm not working for the moment. Are, is home well, still Chicago for you? I beg your pardon? Is home still Chicago for you? It is. So I'm in Chicago most of the time. I do spend several months a year in California now near Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So I, I do tend to split my time a bit. Um, some of that is because I'm going to be taking a screenwriting course and, and maybe teaching out there oh, next right. year. So Good. Yeah. Good. So. But I'll never leave Chicago. Chicago's home base for me. Yeah. Good. Has, yeah. has working yeah. on the, 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 the Ludlam books, has that been a little different way of doing things for you? Because you're kind of on a, on a schedule of you have to do X number of books uh, per year. Am I right about that? 
Yeah, so what you do is they, they, they hire you, and they kind of give you an idea of the characters. You have to read all of his characters. I did the Covert One series, which is not Jason Bourne. It's a separate series, John Smith. And, you know, I love doing it. The estate gives you some of the books. I read them. And then you have a kind of conference about what they want to do, what they want to see in the next book. And what's nerve-wracking is they wanted outlines. They wanted you to outline the book and, you know, present an outline. Well, I don't outline my books. I literally sit down with an idea and I start writing. So, and for me, the fun of it is I don't know what's going to happen next. So I'm kind of enjoying the book along with, you know, anyone who's reading it. Well, they wanted an outline and I was really pretty panicked. And I had, I remember I had just won an award. I won a Barry Award for the Emma Caldridge series. And I stepped off the stage and my agent ran up to me and said, you know, the estate of Robert Ludlum, the whole, all the people for the estate are in the bar and they'd like to buy you a drink and talk to you. And I thought, oh, this is great. And then they lowered the boom about the outline. <laughs> so that, not, that, was, that was not so great. So I ran upstairs and I wrote the first 25 pages of what ended up being the Janus reprisal. And I sent it to them with my fingers crossed and thought, well, this will give them an idea of where I'm headed. I gave them a little log line, and they went for it. I never had to write an outline. <laughs> wow. Because, yeah, uh, cor- I was real happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in one of our early conversations, you talked about how as you're writing, you kind of enjoy the journey because as you flesh out the characters, they kind of speak to you and tell you where they want to go, and that was part of the fun adventure for you. Yes, that is the fun for me. And sometimes it does get... In the writing world, we call it a pant... You know, you write by the seat of your pants, so you're called mm-hmm. a pantster, and other people are outlining. And, you know, we always have long... We're in the bar, a bunch of writers, and we all start discussing, well, I like outlining. Some people do a hybrid version. They... They write for a while, and then they really kind of sit down with the plot. I do have a new manuscript I'm working on that I do have to, I do have to, it's been written, but now I have to really plug things in. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just a different way of doing it. I like just writing because I can, I can go for a run, and while I'm running, I can think, oh, what would happen <laughs> next? And it keeps me, you know, it keeps me interested. Not that outlining wouldn't, it's just that's a bit more structured than I really need in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're yeah. going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about a new project that you're involved in that I absolutely love, and it's just, it's a whole different thing, and, it is. and I think a lot of people yeah. are going to find it really enjoyable. We're talking with Jamie Frabaletti here on WGN Radio. Time to suspend disbelief and walk beside Artemisia into a strange and unique land. A land that shouldn't exist, but does. A place not known to Artemisia, where people want to kill her kind. A place where her sister and many others have disappeared. You hold your breath as Artemisia tries to survive in this wild new land and understand an insane enemy who doesn't adhere to the Geneva Conventions. An incredibly imaginative story to make you wonder about infinite realities. Just to give you a little taste of infinity by our guest, 
Jamie Frevoletti. And Infinity is actually a short story. Jamie, tell us about this whole Infinity project and how you got involved in it. Yeah, so it, it's it's really great. It's an anthology put out by Suspense Magazine Publishing. So Suspense Magazine has been around forever. If uh, mm-hmm. anyone loves suspense, thrillers, mysteries, you got to subscribe to it. It's a digital as well as I think they have uh, maybe quarterly magazines that come out. And they contacted a bunch of the auth- uh, authors from friends of mine, Catherine Coulter, an editor who mm-hmm. edited the whole thing. She's an amazing writer. And she agreed to edit a series of short stories written by a bunch of different thriller, mystery, and cozy mystery authors. She said to believe in infinity means you must acknowledge that all things are possible. And Suspense Publishing has brought this group of best-selling authors to express their beliefs in those endless possibilities using the art of mystery and suspense. But your take on infinity is fascinating please tell us about the backstory yeah. i love of this how you imagined yeah. infinity so so it was interesting they they just gave us one word they said infinity what was it what does infinity mean to you and i remember i was sitting and reading a lot of science journals at the time uh, it was during covid so there wasn't much else to do except read science journals <laughs> and i was reading about the couple of things the the new dark sky telescopic pictures hadn't come out yet, but I had read that a bunch of scientists had seen were uh, analyzing neutrinos. And neutrinos are these little things that come from the sky. They're, you can't see them. They're kind of smaller than atoms. And they usually come from the sky downward. And apparently in Antarctica, they had some sort of uh, equipment there, and they noticed that some neutrinos were actually coming up from the Earth. This was a different, and physics cannot explain this, right? So, of course, a lot of the scientists started discussing, what could this be? Could this be a biological product, byproduct that is degrading differently and making these neutrinos act in a way that no one ever expected them to act? Why is science not explaining this? And then, of course, one poor scientist actually did say, well they're coming, maybe they're acting exactly as they should be. They actually are coming down from the sky, but from a parallel universe. Oh, jeez. I love that. I I loved it. Oh, my God, Steve, Johnny, I went crazy on this thing. I I was reading it going, okay, I felt sorry for the scientists because the press only picked up, of course, the parallel universe side of it. But apparently the ice in Antarctica might also be sending these neutrinos in a different direction, but they're not sure. So I sit in there thinking, well, time would run backwards. Let's say the neutrinos are coming from a parallel universe. What would that look like? And that's what started me thinking about what I would write for the Infinity Anthology. And Mm -hmm. it's my first kind of science, you know, dipping my toe into Mm sci-fi. And I loved writing this short story. Your mind is a fun place to hang out, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's crazy. I was also at the same time, I don't know if, if you guys do any of this, but I was also watching a lot of Netflix, like everybody else, yes. sitting at home, and I, was, uh, I got hooked on K-dramas, Korean dramas, 
Mm-hmm. Oh. And I was watching these K-dramas, and there was one that had a parallel universe theme. And so it was all kind of fitting, and I thought, oh, i got to try this. And well, so see, that's where Infinity uni- came from. That's the universe telling you to go there when you <laughs> you got hooked on yeah. K-dramas. Yeah. And Steve yeah, read yeah. That, li- that little paragraph of The Disappearing Place, which is the name of your story in the anthology. And uh, we wrestled with the pronunciation of the, the main character's name. Is it Artemisia? Did I say it correctly? Artemisia. Yes, Artemisia. I, I went back to ancient Greek and Roman times and looked into famous female mathematicians, and there was one, Hypatia. She's a very famous uh, mathematician, and I, 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 started, I decided that I would use her and I would build a whole world around the story of Hypatia and Artemisia, and that's how some of those ideas came forward. Do, do you? I, do I hate to say of, too much because yes. it's a short story. I don't want to give the final thing away. Exactly. But it is kind of a, it is kind of a place. It's called the disappearing place, and in, and it's kind of people who end up in this parallel universe. Mm-hmm. Do you do all of your own research, or do you have people who kind of help you with it? And, and, no, and I the, do my own. Good. The, the, the reason I'm asking is because there is another, I won't mention him, a very famous author who puts out tons and tons of books per year, who apparently has a staff of people who <laughs> yes. do all of his research. But I love the idea that you're hands-on and, and you know what you need out of this and you want to get it yourself. I love that. Yeah, and I'm always looking for something a little bit different. Like in the Janus Reprisal, the first Ludlum book, um, I had found out about Bitcoin, and that was before Bitcoin was a thing. Oh. And I remember trying to explain to the Ludlum estate, you know, it's this, it's this money that doesn't really exist as money. It's on the Internet. It's called Bitcoin. I'm going to call it kilodollars, but I'm going to make it a... And I remember at the time you could, you could actually mine for Bitcoin, believe it or not, if you had a strong enough computer. At the time you could do it fairly inexpensively. Now, you couldn't buy anything with Bitcoin except maybe... I don't know. You could buy socks. You could buy socks on Etsy or something. <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember telling the uh, agent of the estate of Robert Ludlum, Henry, I said, Henry, I'm thinking I'm going to do this. It's, it's based on some Japanese man that no, who created it that nobody's ever met. And to this day, no one's ever met him. But I just think it's a very cool concept. And I remember him saying, I, I don't know if you should get involved in that. It sounds kind of <laughs> hinky. Now I wish I had bought some of those. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I always look for something a little bit uh, like interesting, a little bit cutting edge, and then yeah. I try and imagine a story around it. I, I want to mention, uh, we've been talking about uh, Infinity, uh, this wonderful <laughs> anthology, but we should mention where some of the proceeds of this yes. anthology are going. This is a wonderful, uh, the way this has worked out. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, it's going to breast cancer research and uh uh, awareness, and I just think it's wonderful. I think a lot of us put up, um, did this to, for that particular mm-hmm. thing, and I think it's a cu- type of uh, breast cancer. I think has touched everyone at some point or another, someone in the family, someone they know, and so it was. It's really, it really feels like it's a, it's an appropriate thing for. It's also we're all women in this um, anthology. Just happened to turn out that way, and, mm-hmm. and this felt uh, like a very good. Good cause. Absolutely. And again, we got our copy uh, on Amazon. So if you want an actual 
you want to hold it in your hand kind of mm-hmm. copy, and it's substantial too. So you got a lot of reading material. Oh, this that, is, a, it, in yeah. fact, this is one of those. It, it's I haven't finished it yet. I'm about halfway through the book, and it, there's some wonderful stories. You leave it beside the bed. And Catherine Coulter, when I saw that she was the editor of this, I said, "Wait a minute, I know that name. I think that woman has written almost a hundred books." Correct me I if know. I'm wrong, Jane, but. <laughs> She's remarkable. She's one of my favorites. And when I found out she was going to be attached to this project, I said, oh, yeah, whatever you want, I'm in. I just thought that was that was great. And um, I think my friend J.T. Ellison, who also wrote a short story, J.T. writes with Catherine on one of her FBI series, I think. Yes. J.T.'s a wonderful person. She's a wonderful writer, so she's involved as well. So it was really... And I know Daryl Woodgerber. I know a lot of these authors. So it's, it was really a fun and, and, and really very satisfying project to be a part of. And again, for a good cause. So if you want to get your copy, yeah. just type in Infinity on Amazon, and it will pop right up, and it says Catherine Coulter. But then you will see that Jamie's story is is right there, Disappearing Place, um, and it's substantial. And, and we're kind of dancing around it because I don't want to give anything away either. Um, I know. <laughs> and having one copy of the book in the house was funny because Steve would say, well, can I have the book? And I go, yeah, I guess so. Give me 15 minutes and you yeah. can have the book. So. And I also like the different take that every author, yes, you know, the different spin that they put on this infinity. I thought it was really cool. Some went back on the dual timeline. What was yes. it? Uh, uh, I think it was Nazi, World War II, and then the current timeline. I just thought some of, some of it was really very cool how everyone has a different view. Yeah, they're ghosts. Yeah. There's, sure. there's one that's all about ghosts, and, and yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right, all yeah. under the heading of infinity. Jamie, yeah. can you sit tight for just a minute? We're going to take a quick break and come back and um, talk just a few more minutes about uh, being a writer, and it's just exciting okay. for us to catch up with you after all those years. Yes, it's been yes. great. We're talk- and you can check out Jamie's website. It's, uh, oddly enough, jamiefrevaletti.com. And stay with us here on WGN Radio. Broadcasting tonight from... WKGC-FM in Panama City, Florida, from the Gulf Coast State College in Panama City, from the Palatial Studios. And that's no joke. We've got all kinds of elbow room yeah. in here. we got people in here. We're not sweating. We, <laughs> we're very fortunate to be in the studio tonight. And we're happy to have you guys with us because we have a big show that takes us up till 2 o'clock in the morning. And right now we're talking with internationally best-selling author of seven novels and four short stories. She's our friend Jamie Frevoletti, and we first met Jamie Frevoletti when she came out with a book with a character named Emma Caldridge. And Jamie, you probably recall how I gushed about I had to cast that movie for you, remember? Yep. I do recall, yes, I and do. Emma was going to be Sandra Bullock. I said, I, I see her. I know. We've got to do this movie, Jamie. I was so excited. I still love that series of books. Yeah, that's, the, you know, the last one that came out on that was Blood Run. And I do have another one in in play. It's about, um, I don't know, 20,000 words. The average thriller is about 95,000 words. Wow. So I think it's at twenty. And but I have another manuscript I'm working on that um, is taking precedence at this point. But I will get back to Emma Caldridge. Those were um, right. I want to do another one of her novels about I, her. I have the dumbest question anyone is going to ask you. No, no, no. Uh, how <laughs> long does it take you to write an average book? And the reason I'm asking, Johnny and I wrote one book. We're now working on our second book. 
Now, oh granted, the, these were reality-based books. Our first was a, a memoir about Les Paul, and it took us oh, well over a year to do that. Our second book uh, is... It's going to take a lifetime. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> we've been working on it for about two years. Yes. But you're putting out you know, you know multiple books. Year. How the heck do you do that, lady? You know, it's kind of interesting. First of all, congratulations on the books. Thank you. Um, it's a... It's it's a lot. I don't think two years is very long at all. My first manuscript uh, took about a year and a half to write, and then I had another year to rewrite it. And then that one's on the shelf. It 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 didn't sell. And also, when I look back on it now, I can see that it's it's good. It's got flashes, but it was definitely a, a first try. So I think now, once I once I got into the swing of thing, I can pretty much write a novel in a year. And then when I was doing Ludlam and Emma Caldridge back to back. That was that was a little challenging. I was doing uh, a book every six months, at least getting a first my drafts into the editors, get it to one editor, start the next one, get it to that editor, and then go back to the changes on the first. That that's that's a pretty challenging schedule, but mm-hmm. that's why I no longer practice law at that point. I I had yeah. to make a choice, it, it and isn't... so I you know I had two small children, and then I had you know, all these books to write, and so I decided to write full-time. Isn't one of the keys to to writing similar to when you go into a recording studio, knowing when to stop? Knowing... Well, okay. it's kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned recording studios. So my manuscript I'm working on now, I'm very excited, is um, a music manuscript. It's about a music producer who comes off the road gets to his studio, it's trashed, and his producer's missing. And I collaborated with a music producer and songwriter and guitarist. The the main character in that manuscript is a guitarist, a shredder. And I watched, the, I, we have a bunch of songs that go along with this book, almost kind of like a, oh. trying to think, like a Daisy Jones and the Six that just yeah. came out. Okay. But in this manuscript, the songs are key to to some of the some of the story. And I won't I won't go any further with it. That was interesting to watch musicians because yes, I, it, it, you get the sense that they have the same kind of process. They start out with a draft, they start out with an idea, and then they start to flesh it out. What was fascinating to me about the process of the music writing is, I would say, you know, can you put this. In there, can you can you backmask something? So backmasking is when the words right. are backwards, mm-hmm. and it's interesting with all the computers now. They can do so many interesting things. So yeah, I think there is a certain point where you have to stop. You have to say, okay, here's the story. Here's here's the music. We're going to have to stop and you know see how this plays because you could go on forever, and the ideas just keep coming. Mm-hmm. And every draft seems to be better than the last. So you could continue to make this book better and better and better, but at some point you do have to present it to your agent and they have to get it to the editor. So you do have to make a hard cut. You you have and, to promise us when that book comes out that you will come back on with us and we will talk about the book and play some of the music, songs from yeah. the book. Oh, That's yeah, cool. well, it's interesting because I, I turned that one also, I just finished writing that as an immersive concert, which is kind of a theater concert. Mm-hmm. I have a collaborating venue here in Chicago in the Austin neighborhood, and we put up for um, uh, an artist grant in the Chicago 
cultural affairs, and I'll know about that in about a month. So I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Oh, please do. It out as, yeah. If it goes out as an immersive concert, it will be done sometime in uh, October. So it's about six months away. That is so and then cool. I, and then the manuscript will put send out on submission in August. That would become a regular book. You won't need to hear the music to read the book. It, you'll have access to it. I want to. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really fun because I kept telling the, the guitarist, you know, shred some more. I wanted kind of an old school Led Zeppelin. You know, the Led Zeppelin, the old school shred. Sure. Yeah, a little bit yeah. of and a little bit of blues. I wanted a blues kind of influence, old school guitar, that kind of heavy guitar sound. And they really did. These young musicians did a fantastic job. We have a couple of songs in Spanish. We it's just it's just fabulous, and it was really a lot of fun. So I'll keep you. I'll definitely let you guys know when that one's oh, coming good. into into play. And in the meantime, people need to get their hands on this book that we uh, were so happy that it came up on our Facebook feed because it said, oh, my gosh, we have a chance to talk to Jamie Frevoletti again. Infinity yeah, is a book. And, you know, it, it's fun, too, because with Infinity, I feel like, or at least my short story, The, the Disappearing Place, you know, as I finished that story, I thought, there's, there's room to make that into a manuscript, too. Mm-hmm. I could take those two characters and have them go in search, you know, of uh, sure. their missing. And I thought, you know, that might be that might be my one of my next projects, you guys. I'm, I may just end up doing that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, because without giving anything away, that was one of the thoughts I had reading that, oh, I, I want to know more about this. Yes, where they're going. So please do that. Yes. Yes, well, I will. You know, I will. I've got so many things on my plate. One thing I'm never short of is ideas. It's just time to, <laughs> to put it all on paper. That's the issue. Yeah. And what a blessing. Yeah. You know, it's not a curse. Yeah. That's a blessing. And thanks yeah. to Suspense yeah, I, Publishing for, for reintroducing us to you after all these years, Jamie. And uh, again, oh, thank you. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. I'm just so thrilled that we got to reconnect with you. And Infinity is a terrific short story, The Disappearing Place in the Infinity Anthology. And again, I checked and it's available on Amazon just as we purchased ours and you will thoroughly enjoy it and yeah you got our numbers stay in touch with us okay I would love to and thank you it's so great to talk to you both congratulations to to you, about everything oh it's thank wonderful. you Jamie same to you and we'll talk soon take very care. soon take care bye bye now stay with us more coming up at WGN yes it's Stephen Johnny of WGN <laughs> who else would do that and that's the pickle song. Now, and, uh, well, dear, yes. Why would we be playing the pickle song? Because I'm really bummed that we're not in Chicago next Saturday for a pickle fest. I didn't know we had a pickle fest in the city. Pickle fest? Yes. Chicago's pickle fest. You're going to get to have drinks like vodka, pickle vodka. You're going to get to be pickled. <laughs> you will get pickled, yes. There's going to be all kinds of music. Uh, quite seriously, uh, this event will be Saturday at the Cubby Bear. So this is a pickle fest with live music and lively beverages. I guess. You know what? I have a hard time talking when I'm thinking about pickles because I get that that salivary yeah. action going on. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can get tickets. All you have to do is Google uh, Pickle Fest Chicago, and all the information will come up about the event next weekend from noon to 5. And the closest I can come is here in Panama City, actually in Panama City Beach. I have a fabulous drink at Boondocks Restaurant. And if you ever come Ooh. to Panama City Beach, Ooh. 
Uh, and for those of you who don't know, yes, we're live on WGN, but we're coming to you from the studios of WKGCFM in Panama City, Florida, uh, at Gulf Coast State College. And if you ever come down to the Gulf Coast of Florida, you have to go to Boondocks Restaurant in Panama City Beach. And ask for my favorite drink, and that would be the pickle margarita. And I let her have as many as she wants because she's coming home with me. <laughs> the pickle margarita is so good. If, you, if you've ever had, see, I'm having a hard time talking because i got all I this <laughs> spit in my mouth. Forgive me. <laughs> Does that sound good to you, Caleb? Quite frankly, no. No? <laughs> and if you have to watch your sodium, you probably don't want to do the pickle margarita because it's. by the time we got to the car, remember I said, do we have any water in this car? I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I drank water all night long because it was a ginormous pickle margarita. Karen, have you ever had a uh, pickle margarita? Look at that face. No. no? <laughs> I, I didn't know they were a thing, honestly. Well, in my world, they're a thing. Pickle uh, everything is a thing. Because in our house, we have jars of pickle in our uh, pickles in our refrigerator, and they've got no juice. And those are my pickles because I've drank all the juice out of them. Three o'clock um, in the morning, oh, I will wake up because I hear footsteps going out to the kitchen. The refrigerator <laughs> the, door opens, and Johnny is drinking pickle, pickle juice. juice. Great for leg cramps. I've heard that. Yes, very good. If you get a Charlie horse in your leg, if you can crawl to the refrigerator and get pickle juice, you will be surprised. In fact, athletes will drink pickle juice. You can get little cans of it that you can take out on the field and you know, keep it in the, I guess, in your knapsack in mm-hmm. case you get a cramp in your leg while you're playing football. By the way, for people who are wondering, uh, Karen is yes. Karen Morris, who is the host of uh, Hello, Karen. Hello, on, Karen. Uh, WKGC, and, and she's she was, been nice enough to have us on her show while we were down here. Yes, and and, and she was the subject of a podcast that was posted on Thursday mm-hmm. from our visit uh, to her show. Yes. And yeah, we, we always appreciate when you let us come in here and hang out with you and make us sound like we're normal. <laughs> or as close to normal as we ever get. <laughs> kind of, sort of normal. Yes. So now your name is going to uh, be changed from uh, Hello Karen to Pickled Karen. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Gracious. I don't know about that. <laughs> No, you're going to repute. I just, I happened to, at one time, I was the president of Pickle Packers of America. Not everyone can say that, but. And and that was also a cause for some interesting reactions from, from guests at some of the parties we would have. Because. Okay, back up. Have you ever wondered if people come to your house and they open your, your medicine cabinet? Has Does that bother you? You think that maybe they do open your, Caleb? Sure. Yes. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And you're thinking, maybe I should put something in there to worry them, right? Keep Ooh. them on their toes. I like so stuff. I was talking about my love of pickles very often on the mm-hmm. radio because I was known to even just bring a jar of pickles for my lunch. Sure. And I would eat the pickles throughout the show. Mm-hmm. I'm still having a hard time talking. Yeah, the more you talk, I'm starting to... <laughs> <I know. laughs> so the Pickle Packers of America at the time that I was on the radio in Aurora, they were in St. Charles, and they contacted me and said, wow, you are just the greatest ambassador for our product, as if pickles need an ambassador. But I said, that's me. What are you going to do for me? They said, well, you'll be receiving a little something in the mail. And I was expecting a press package. What I received was a four-foot-tall pickle. A Literally. Now, a hard plastic. a four-foot-tall pickle. Hard plastic, not a blow-up. A hard plastic pickle that if you put your arms around it, you both arms would have to go around this big, fat pickle. Now, I'm going to circle back to the question of, do you wonder what people look at when they're in your house? So, in our, in our house, 
we we had at that point we had in our bathroom there was a bathtub and there was just a shower, shower curtain. curtain and we wondered how many people would actually look behind that shower curtain so so the four-foot pickle went in the bathtub <laughs> we pulled the shower curtain <laughs> and then we knew the people who pulled back the, the people curtain who would come out of the go- restroom looking like <laughs> What? Yeah. What? Of course, then, uh, the, the can of Crisco on the edge of the tub yeah. also was a little troubling to them. Well, and then we also used the pickle. <laughs> there, there was, there was a morning TV show that that Bob Surratt uh, yes. used to be the host of, and uh, they would interview in, people in bed. In bed. So, we do the all night show on WGN. Bob's uh, on in the morning. He goes to interview us one day, and supposedly it was our house. He didn't know that we had gone to a place called the Sybaris. Which is kind of a sexy motel you go to yeah. on your, if you, yeah, uh, and <laughs> the mirrors on the so, ceiling. So right and- next to the bed, there was <laughs> this jacuzzi with the pickle, <laughs> but then there were the straps hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> Uh, with the that, that are there all the time yeah. in the Sybaris, and then the harness in the closet, and the and, furry and, handcuffs. And we made them think this was our our house and our because we didn't we didn't want to. I didn't want strangers oh, then I had coming to my bedroom. Along, I had you had puppets, puppets along all the, over. Yeah. So, so so when we got back to the radio station, they treated us differently. They did because the staff didn't know either. That, that was their house. There, did you see what they have in their house? But I remember one engineer came to us and said, "What are you? What are you making? You've got like a swimming pool in your bathroom." Yeah. <laughs> and I your thought point is? that's what troubles him. Not the <laughs> fact that we have a pickle and a harness and all this other stuff. Well, I mean, clearly that makes sense. Why you're doing the overnight show? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it all fit in our world, and I don't think to this day that Bob Surratt knows that we were at the Cypress. I I don't think he does because we just. With a straight face, we were... So, so don't nobody tell them. And wasn't our bed a heart-shaped bed? Well, of course it had satin sheets, I remember yeah. that, because you got to have satin sheets yeah. in a motel like that, which is a wonderful place to go. It, it, is this motel by the night or by the hour? <laughs> well, yes. it, it, it actually can be. I, I, think, I think either or. Yeah. Yeah. Full yeah. service. Full it, service. I think we okay. call this a no-tell. So speak. <laughs> It's a no-tell motel, is what we call it. Oh, yes. So that's the tale of the pickle. And I should be the queen of the pickle fest, but no, I'm in Florida, where it's in the 80s and sunny every day. (laughs) All right. Coming up tonight, we're going to be talking about a little television update. Um, There's rumor that there's going to be a new Big Bang Theory. A new television or a, or a show, new spin-off. a spinoff of the not, big, not necessarily a new Big Bang Theory, but yeah, a, new a spinoff big Bang of theory, it. Theory, a spinoff. Yeah. So, uh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be the kids or the cast members? Or the woman who should know everything that's out there on the streets about this story is the woman who's wrote has written the definitive book on the Big Bang mm-hmm. Theory. And Jessica Radloff will join us, and she also had a chance to be at the Carol Burnett birthday taping. That's where she met Cher. Yeah. Uh, and that taping is going to be uh, broadcast later this week, next I week. I think, it, isn't it tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that out. But um, we also saw Carol Burnett on one of the late night shows, and she was, oh. She's just. At 90? So oh, good. 
scary good. Speaking of at 90, did you see, and I know I'm segueing into TV land, did you see where, um, oh, bleep, now I blacked out on his name. <laughs> He's going to be in a soap opera. Uh, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke, yes. yeah. Yes. He's like 93 years old. He's going to be doing Days of Our Lives. Yeah, God bless him. I saw that earlier on, yeah. on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. I think if he shaved the beard, he would look really a lot younger. Because yeah. he's still dancing every day. Yeah. But, you know, when you get to be that age, you do anything you want to do. I don't care. Yeah. It's all yours. Whatever works. But stay with us. We will talk about TV, and we're going to have some computer talk, too, coming Yeah, a little up. later, Patrick Crispin uh, will join us, and we'll try to solve some computer problems. And we should mention, too, uh, we have a bunch of things going on. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to have uh, author Michael Lister will join us. Tommy Emanuel will join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk cars with Tom Appel. Don Perlman, a name that you know from Chicago News, Don is going to join us. Uh, he has a different hat that he's wearing. And uh, Lisa McClowry will be joining us. Yep. So that's uh, some of what we have coming up. That'll be uh, next week. And uh, over the ensuing weeks, we've got Bill Anderson's going to join us. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Bill Anderson uh, from the Country Music Hall of Fame. And we're going to introduce you to some more people down here that we think you should yes. know. Some folks that you should know from the panhandle of Florida. And I'm going to go for an audio. Uh, Andrew, uh, have I talked enough? Should I stop now? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> more later. I can't hear that without, the, I don't know how many, it's like I have dueling episodes of the Big Bang <laughs> start playing in my head. And we're joined now by a lady that who knows everything there is to know about the Big Bang. She is the New York Times bestselling author of The Big Bang Theory, The Definitive Inside Story. And that's how we met her. Thanks to this book, Jessica Radloff joined us back in October. And the book just took off after that. She's a busy, busy lady. Jessica, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Jessica. Oh, my Gosh, my pleasure. I wish I could say I was out doing something really exciting, but I'm here at home just working on uh, more Big Bang stuff and glamour work, too. So Yeah, yeah. It all worked out tonight. Because you wear the entertainment hat for uh, glamour, and that takes you to a lot of really interesting places that we have to talk about in just a few minutes. But I I have a confession, Jessica. Yes. Tell me. I, I still haven't finished the book it is uh, for anybody who doesn't know this is a big book yeah and i love it and i still haven't finished it because i'm savoring it and it's so big it's hard to take to bed with you because if you fall asleep it it can hurt you when it falls on you Yep, yeah, seriously. You'll wake up real that quick. That is hilarious. Oh my gosh, that is too funny. I have to tell you, the other day I needed something to prop my computer up, and I just stacked four of the Big Bang Theory books on my on my desk, and it was wonderful. So you know, there's there's a lot of great uses for it. But yes, if you do drop it on your face while you're reading it in bed, it can hurt. Or, or, or back in the day, a warning label. Uh, back in the day before front-wheel drive vehicles, when you needed something to help get your rear-wheel drive car through the snow, you need to wait it. Yeah, you need to wait it. You just put about four copies of the Big Bang Theory book in the trunk, and, and you're yes. good to go. That okay, is Jessica. hilarious. Well, do you want to know a secret? Yes. And I, I haven't said this to anybody else, so you guys are kind of hearing it first, but. Um, I'm working on the paperback edition of the book now, which will come out probably at the end of this year. And there's going to be a lot more photos in there and everything. So I think the book is somehow going to get bigger. 
Wow. So it's going to be like a so, people that remember phone books. Yes. Be- I know. I, I know. Well, you know, I was so lucky because I, I was given so many personal photographs from the cast and the producers. And, yes. and as it is, my editor was so gracious to me in letting me put so many of them in the hardcover book. And to my surprise, like, would you be interested in doing more for the paperback edition eventually? And I was like, well, yeah, we have so wow. many more that I couldn't fit in the first one. So yeah. um, I'm currently working on that. So, <laughs> so, but maybe because it's paperback, you know, then it'll, it won't be as heavy, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's negated a bit by the fact that now there's going to be more photos in there. That's in, right. In material. I don't know. Well, let's stick with Big Bang Theory because we, I was so excited when you were available to join us tonight because there's that, that talk of a spinoff of the show. Yet another spinoff. What do you know? Yeah. I know. It's very confusing because I'm so flattered that everybody's been coming to me to say, oh my gosh, what, tell us, the, what's the tea on this? You know, is, is the Big Bang Theory being rebooted? Is there a spinoff? What's going on? Here's the lowdown. We don't really know. Um, The announcement came on April 12th because HBO Max is going to be rebranded as just Max. And it was part of the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. So it's just going to be called Max now. The HBO part is being dropped. Um, But it's still going to be the same service you love. And because they were making this big announcement and they were going to be talking about all the new exciting shows that are coming to the platform they thought this would probably be a great opportunity to also announce that Chuck Lorre, who co-created and executive produced The Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon, you know, that there was going to be another show that exists in this world that's going to be coming to Max. So it was all part of this big announcement day for so many shows. But of course, all the Big Bang Theory fans are like, what does this mean? You know, what, what is coming? What is the show going to look like? And the real answer is we just don't know yet. It's not going to be a reboot. I can I can pretty much guarantee you that. So we will not see this, the main characters you love being played by different people. That's not going to happen. Um, what I do think it's going to be, you know, the, the actual wording is Chuck Lorre is developing a new comedy series derived from the Big Bang Theory. So you can read into that a lot. But derived from it, I believe that's going to be it's going to exist in this world in terms of we might get an appearance by some familiar characters. We may not, but there will be some aspects that are really rooted in the world we came to know and love. But there's no additional details yet. So it's all speculation. But, but, but we don't think it's going to be as uh, centered around the... Uh, the engineer who the finally cast. fixed no, the engineer who finally fixed the elevator. We don't think that that's yeah. going to be the subject. <laughs> no, we do not. I, I joked with with Chuck. I said um, I said I can't I can't wait for Cinnamon's Day Out, the new adventures. And uh-huh. Cinnamon, of course, was the dog that Raj owned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I joked with him about about that. There were many characters, though, in the Big Bang Theory world that you could absolutely do a spinoff with. Well, um, And I think that's what's exciting, is to see what is going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I actually hope that they decide to take the kids of the characters, and then we have the show of the children. So we see uh, the, the, the children of, of, of Penny 
and we okay and Leonard yeah. and Leonard and they could have some similar ca- or just be totally different. I think that could be so fun. Or or and, and I have brain fade. I can't think of his name. The um oh the guy who owned the comic book store and oh. his girlfriend. Oh, I would yeah. love Stuart. to see a Stuart series Bloom. with them. Yes, 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 and he just got married too yes. in real life. He did. He yeah. did. He just got, Kevin Sussman just got married a few days ago, and um, it was funny. I was messaging with him, and I, I congratulated him, and I said to him, I said, what a great photo, and I accidentally put a question mark after it, and then I had to write him back and be like, I didn't mean a question mark at the end of what a great photo. I meant it with an exclamation point. It's such a great photo. And he's like, thank you, thank you. He, Kevin Sussman is so sweet. I would watch, yes. honestly, I would watch any show with any of those guys and and i think that's what's going to be fun is to see you know chuck is so brilliant as a creator and he knows comedy so well and he's working on another series for max right now what you know is hbo max and will be max um called how to be a bookie and and i'm excited to see what he does and you know we also don't know is this going to be a multi-camera sitcom again is it going to be um a single cam like young sheldon is could it be existing in a world that's maybe 15, 20 years from now, so you could see the kids of the Big Bang Theory, like you just mm-hmm. mentioned, or, or could it be a, a few years after, you know, the last episode we saw? There's so many possibilities, and um, and I think it's, it's kind of fun to speculate what it might be, but the truth is we just don't know yet. Or, or could he encounter the Flash as the Flash is traveling through multiple universes? Uh, who knows? That is, so, that is cool. so true as well. Yeah. I, I also think it would be fun to see like the adventures of Stuart and Bert. You know, remember yes. Bert, who is the yes. geologist on the show? Yes. Like, there's, there's just there's so many possibilities because when you have a show that runs for 12 years, you know, you get a lot of great supporting players and guest stars and you know, everything else. So it's all very tightly under wraps. I don't even know. There's nothing I know that I'm not sharing because I don't okay. even know yet. And, um, but it was all part of this big announcement day for uh, for Mac. So it's exciting what's, what's going to be coming down the pipeline, uh, not just for Big Bang, but also just so many other shows, too. Um, you know, so it'll it'll be cool to see what develops over the next few months. All right, sit tight. We're going to come back in just a few minutes with Jessica Radloff. There is one, oh, a couple of things we've got to talk about. She was at the Carol Burnett birthday taping, and that's yes. going to come yeah. up on Carol Burnett's birthday. And so she got a- to meet Cher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to repeat the comment. Yeah, gonna, that, no, clean no, that up I, now. I think on, on that note, we got to take a break. <laughs> so stay with us on WGN. I'm the only one who tears up when I, I start do. to hear that. There's Carol Burnett was, is... Such a treasure. And I actually see her pull her ear when, in my head, my mind's eye, when I hear that song. And there is a really special show coming up on her birthday, her 90th birthday, April 26th. NBC will be carrying Carol Burnett's birthday celebration. And I know that our guest, Jessica Radloff, had an opportunity to be at that taping weeks ago. But, Jessica, it was embargoed, right? Yes, it was definitely embargoed. We couldn't talk about it. And I just posted a photo of me and Cher um, a few days ago on my Instagram. And people were freaking out. And it brought me back to that moment back in early March when we, you know, the, the special was being filmed. And we couldn't say anything really about it. But it was so cool. It was truly one of the most special evenings that I've gotten to be a part of. Well, now, and not that Cher... I did anything for it. I just was there to interview them, but yeah. it was really cool. 
Did, does Cher uh, actually perform on the show for Carol? So Cher will be in costume in a Bob Mackie of original. Yeah. Um, and she will be on stage. And I don't want to give away too much because you really need to mm-hmm. see this. Um, in fact, tomorrow on Glamour.com, my What to Watch guide will go up. And it has a bunch of the photos from this coming Wednesday show in there. And you just have to see what Cher is wearing as well as so many others that are part of this big Mm -hmm. celebration. And it is so star-studded. I mean, you have Charlize Theron. You have, of course, Julie Andrews. You have um, Katy Perry. You have just all the, the, the legendary performers that are that are part of carol's world and it's just so extraordinary so mm-hmm. um yeah check out the photos tomorrow but share is a big part of this i will say that and it's just like a variety show from the good old days like yeah. it's, it's not a roast it's not like yes it's a birthday celebration but it's more of a variety show that made you fall in love with what carol did in the first place mm-hmm. um oh vicky Maya lawrence Rudolph will pay tribute to you know, Scarlett O'Hara and, all, you know, all these yeah. iconic characters and, and sketches that they did. So it's it's just so cool. Please tell me Vicki Lawrence is a part of the show, too. Oh, yes, Vicki Lawrence. I was Good. trying to remember her name. Vicki Lawrence is absolutely a part Good. of it. She was so wonderful to talk to. I, I love speaking with her. And Susan Lucci is also, oh, um, wow. is also there. And Bernadette Peters. And one of the people that I got the biggest kick out of meeting that night was Aileen Quinn. Aileen Quinn played the original Annie in the 1982 film, you know, where Carol Burnett was Miss Hannigan. And meet Aileen Quinn, who I was obsessed (sighs) with as a kid because I loved Annie. To see her now and to see her with Carol, it is just so wild. And I actually had Aileen make a little video to my sister and recite some of the lines as Annie. And it was just like one of those things where you just, like you think to yourself, how lucky am I that I get to be yeah. a part of something that meant so much to me as a kid and yeah. meet these people now. Oh, that is so cool. I'm happy for you, too. And I've got to say, you talked about the great outfits that people were wearing. You were styling, too, girl. I saw that picture of oh, you. You're, <laughs> you're so sweet. I got to say, it was Tori Birch and Longchamp. They, um, yes. they are so good to me. And, um, yeah, it was you're very sweet to say that so it's uh it's all them i'm not going to repeat what you said (laughs) about uh, how you felt about meeting Cher, but i am going to ask you was meeting Cher the celebrity moment for you yes but i'll tell you a funny story um i met carol burnett and betty white for the very first time back in january 2011 when nbc threw a birthday celebration for betty for her 90th birthday Mm -hmm. and that was the first time that i had actually gotten to meet carol burnett and she is the one person that i actually did start to get a get a little misty-eyed when i first met her because not only was i such a huge fan but she looks and reminds me so much of my grandmother who passed away some 25 years ago so to see carol burnett up close and have her remind me of someone so special to me it was such a an out-of-body experience that was like oh my goodness so 
So I met Carol, you know, back in 2011. I've since interviewed her a few times. I've been so lucky to sit down with her and Julie Andrews over the years, and, and that was so special. But then at this event, to actually get to meet and interview Cher, I was absolutely stunned because Cher is somebody that does not need to do press. You know, a lot of people, when you're at a level that Cher is, you don't don't need to walk a red carpet. You don't need to talk to journalists. Like, Mm -hmm. you already have all the press. And Cher did that entire press line. And the same cannot be said of some of the other guests that were there that night, which Mm -hmm. I will not say who they are. But Cher did every single press person that was there. And I was so overcome by that because, to me, that was just the classiest thing that she could have done that not only I will not repeat the word that I said, you can go to my Instagram and you can read what I said. I did not just feel this way. I actually said to her that I wanted to yeah. with SH myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually said that said to that her. Said that to her. And yes. I will never forget my dad. I told my parents this. My dad started laughing hysterically. My mother was like, that's all you could come up with to say to share was that you yeah. wanted to blink yourself. And That's I your opening statement. <laughs> right. What what does one say to share? Like honestly, what do you want me to say to share upon meeting her? I was so overcome, I could not believe that she was standing in front of me, this woman. That that was the only thing that came out. And I gotta tell you guys, I think she was so appreciative of the honesty that she was like, you know what? There's been times I've wanted to do that to myself too. And she's like, I'm glad you're not, but I understand it. And I said, well, thank you. And you know, once, once I got that out of my, like, I, I got that over with, we could have a very normal conversation. You relax. And it was great. Oh, but my God. I could not believe for the life of me that this woman was standing in front of me. And I also don't ask a lot of people anymore to take photos with them because uh-huh. I, I just... You know, you learn every celebrities are no more better than anybody else. You know, they they do some really great, great, amazing things and they have amazing talent, but they're no better than anyone else. But Cher is in a different league of her own. And I said to her, I was like, would you be okay if we took a selfie? And she's like, (laughs) I'm fine with a photo, but I don't like selfies. Let's have someone else take it. I'm like, oh, even better. Okay. And, And that's what we did. And she was so lovely you know um i just was so impressed by what she was willing to do and and speak about when it came um to carol and to be there and she walked the red carpet with bob mackie too the legendary costume designer but but yeah i i said what i said to share and i (laughs) you know part of me was like i cannot believe i i said that and then the Mm -hmm. other one was like you know what yeah be honest it's share like it is share Hold your hold your thoughts because I want people okay. during our break to check out those pictures on Instagram and it's Jessica Radloff R A D L O F F and we'll come back and we'll talk about a show coming to the 14, max Jessica Radloff fourteen four oh fourteen there might be another Jessica Radloff I don't <laughs> You're know right. about. okay we will come okay. back with the real Jessica Radloff in just a few here on WGN see if we can get Johnny Putman at WGN Radio if I could turn back time take back those, those words. words. <laughs> Anything uh, ring a bell or Jessica? <laughs> That's what the, singing 
if I could turn back time, it's actually what ran through my head when Cher was about to come up to me. And I thought to myself, I cannot start singing this song to this woman because she will throw me out. I do not have a good singing voice. So it was either singing to her or telling her that I wanted to, you know what, to myself. So I feel like I I made the right decision because it, that would have just been yes. an insult to share if I would have started singing that song. But I really didn't just- want to. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking with Jessica Radloff. Uh, she's the New York Times bestselling author of The Big Bang Theory, the definitive inside story. And she is the Glamour Senior West Coast editor. And we're talking about, uh, oh, we share and uh, all kinds Carol of Burnett celebrity and, stuff. And please, can we talk about a show that you've got me so excited about? We are huge fans of Big Little Lies. And now yeah. we're going to get Love and Death. Yeah. Okay, you guys, I have to tell you, I've not been this excited about a show in so long. I know we hear a lot of, you know, people say things like, oh, this show is the next this or next that. I truly stand by my statement that Love and Death is the next Big Little Lies. It also comes from David E. Kelly, the prolific producer and writer. And and Nicole Kidman is also a producer on this. Um, And it stars Elizabeth Olsen, who's so brilliant. Um... She plays a real-life woman named Candy Montgomery, um, and the series takes place in the late 70s, early 80s, and she was a church-going mother of two, married, doing everything that, you know, housewives back in the day were, were, you know, considered they were supposed to do. She was friends with another couple, Alan and Betty Gore, and, and this is a true story, and it was actually made into a limited series by Hulu last year with Jessica Biel and Melanie Linsky. But what people don't know, and I think this is going to start to come out, is that Love and Death actually went into production first. They were two months into production when the Hulu series was announced and then Mm -hmm. went into production. Hulu just managed to get it out faster, but Love and Death will finally premiere with three episodes this coming Thursday night. To me, this is the series to watch. It is so riveting. The performances are just incredible. I see Emmy written all over it. Um, I, I can't say enough about it. It's just great entertainment, but also so complex in a way that David E. Kelly, you know, we've come to expect from him. Um, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just a really great series. And it's going to be on HBO Max or The Max, as we'll eventually call it. <laughs> And, uh, yes, exactly. And I'm going to be moderating with the cast and the producers uh, on Thursday night as well this coming oh, week. So I'm really excited to sit down great. with them. And um, and also, I'll, I'll tell you something that was interesting with Tom Pelfrey, who was nominated for an Emmy for Ozark. He is also in this series. And, of course, a lot of people now know him. Um, he's with Kaylee Cuoco. Um, you know, from the Big Bang mm-hmm. Theory and the Flight Attendant. Mm-hmm. They just had um, a daughter together. And Kaylee said to me, she said, just wait until you see the final three episodes of Love and Death and what Tom does, because he's in it in every episode. But it's not till those final three episodes where he just shines like you would not believe. So I'm so glad Kaylee told me that because I'm going to sit down with him next week, too, to, to talk to him about his episodes. I mean, the whole cast is remarkable. They are so good. Do we actually get multiple episodes the first week? Yes, you'll get three episodes that drop this coming next Thursday, um, and then one a week after that. But it's going to be really hard to wait 
each week for what, like, because when I started to get going with the series, I just had to keep watching. It's really? so good. Huh. Yeah. It's, it, it's and how great. many total episodes? Sorry, say that again. Uh, how many total episodes? Seven total. And it's also okay. directed by Leslie Linka Glatter, who is the Emmy nominated director of Homeland and Mad Men. Um, she yeah. directed the movie Now and Then in 1995 with Demi Moore, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's so star studded. In addition to Elizabeth Olsen, you have Jesse Clemens, who's Oscar nominated, Lily Rabe, um, and the, the whole Kristen Ritter's in it too. The whole cast, Patrick Fugit, it's amazing. Oh, boy. Because oh, we were such huge fans of Big Little Lies. And I decided then that anything that Nicole Kidman touches, I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, it's going to be good. And so she's executive yeah. producer of this. And, and that was interesting because when we went to Big Little Lies, I was a little hesitant to go to it. And I wasn't sure what Nicole Kidman would bring to the table. But, boy, Ooh, was yeah. she terrific. And, yeah. and I'm all over this. Well, yeah, I think you're going to say the same thing about Elizabeth Olsen, too. And, and even yeah. though this, this limited series, it is about a murder in a small town and, and between these two women and everything, the thing that is most interesting is just the secret that people in these so-called perfect lives, as we know, no life is perfect, but, you know, appearances or, or you know, people make appearances to try to, you know, maintain this, you know, this illusion that everything is going great and there's so many secrets underneath and mm-hmm. that's what's so fascinating about this show that you'll relate a lot to big little lies is is the appearances that everyone's trying to keep up but mm-hmm. below the surface there's so much more going on well there's another limited series that we can't wait for from week to week and i we could stream it but we don't choose to because i just love waiting for sunday nights on pbs to catch the latest episode of marie antoinette did you yes, get into that's that another great one Oh, my gosh. I haven't been able to get into it too much, only because I've got so much to watch on my plate. Yeah. But it is PBS is such great period dramas, um, and they're just they're so prolific and so wonderful. So, yes, it's a great series that I want to make more time for as well. And, and again, this was a series that it wasn't until about three-quarters of the way through the first episode yeah. that I said, okay, because I, I kind of had to get past some of the uh the, the british accents, accents and, yeah. and but the more i get into it it is perfectly cast beautifully directed oh, it's so and filmed gorgeous. and i, I can't and we wait know for how the it ends episode. yeah but so what you yes. know it's like the titanic yeah. we know how it ends but it's just so beautiful yeah. yes well, that's what's so great about so many of these series is that we do you know especially ones that are based on a true story we, we do know how it ends but when they're great series you don't, it doesn't bother you because you just want to see it play out and find out more about it. Well, we said that we would not keep you real long because you're very, very busy. Uh, You did say that that on Sunday you're going to be posting your shows to watch in the upcoming week. Where would you recommend? Yes, that'll be up at uh, 9.30 Central Time tomorrow morning on Glamour.com and you'll be able to look at everything that is worth watching for the week ahead and there's so much great stuff. Um, you know, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is coming to theaters. Yes. That is such a charming movie that I can't rave enough about. Um, and, uh, of course, you have Carol Burness and Firefly Lane's final episodes on Netflix are coming, and those are a doozy. Um, it's so good. So there's, there's a lot that is worth staying home for this next week. 
I, and when I call in sick, I can say that Jessica Radloff said so. Yeah. <laughs> I said, listen, I heard in the commercial break that it's 40 degrees right now in Chicago. Yes. So I yes, it is. Given that it's that cold, you just should <laughs> stay at home and just That's watch right. TV. I fully endorse this. You know, so it's get harder yes. when the weather gets nice. It's like you don't want to stand, but but yeah, this is perfect TV weather watching. So absolutely, um, yeah, I'll tell you what to watch this week, all the times, where to watch it, all that good stuff. Well, it's always just a pleasure to talk to you, Jessica. And I have to tell you a little bit behind the scenes. My husband enjoys calling you Jessica Rabbit. Uh, That's never (laughs) happened to you before, I'm sure, Jessica. (laughs) That is is so funny. Well, I'll have to tell you, you know, what's funny is that Melissa Roush, you know, who played Bernadette on Big Bang and now is on Night Court, she always calls me J-Rad. That's her, oh. that's her name. Um, you know, so, so I'm used to all, I get all sorts of things and it's fine. So, well, you know, uh, I've got to I, say, I will take Jessica Rabbit. J-Rat is cool. If you do my rap name, it's J-Poo. Not quite yeah. as cool. <laughs> I, like, I like that. You both have such great names. I mean, Johnny and Steve, like, that's just perfect. For, like, you guys were born to do a radio show. You were born I, to also have a variety show. And you know what also you know, is? It, it's perfect. The check's in the mail, Jessica. Because we look the same You're on welcome. the radio. So people often call me Stevie, and they call him Johnny. And I say, look, we look the same on the radio. Yeah. So what? You know? Well, I, I, I don't know if we ever told you we were at an appearance one time and somebody came up to Johnny and said, gee, you don't sound blonde. <laughs> and then they came, they went over to me and they said, I, you sounded like you were bald with a mustache. And I always wonder what the oh. heck does bald with a mustache yeah. sound like? Oh my gosh. That is really funny. Yeah. But, people, you know what? I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm constantly amazed by how open people can be at times. <laughs> where do they they get the guts to say this then again i should be one to talk because look what i said to share so you know yes but you know what you get paid to do this and thank you so much for being a part of our show it's always just such a Uh, a treat to talk to you and to get excited about things on television and i hope we can do this again jessica but go back to your computer and your tv and get back to work girl (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, Johnny and Steve, and I adore you all. And uh, anytime I am, I'm home on a Saturday night working. I am happy to to jump on the phone and uh, and chat TV and entertainment with you all. Thank you. Take Thanks, care, Jessica. Talk to you soon. Bye bye now. Guys. Bye. Have a good week. You too. It's always fun to talk to her. More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. So I have a question for you all. How would you feel if you sat down at your computer mm-hmm. and you signed on to your bank account? And in your bank account, you saw $28,285.25. That you didn't know was going to be there. Right. Caleb's eyebrows shot up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. That sounds like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other day, I signed on to my personal bank account and there was $28,285.25. And it was pending. And it was a wire transfer. And I panicked. I mean, I was shaking. And it just so happened that I, back at the end of the year, I had an occasion to call my bank. And they said, if you ever have any of these questions, and it was, it was a nothing. I just had a question about what I thought might be a fraud. And they said, could he give you the bank's fraud number? So I had it my phone. So I called. I didn't get caught in menu hell. I was able to call somebody that picked up the phone and said, bank fraud line. And I was like, oh, thank you. 
And I quickly rattled off the fact that I just sat down at, at the, and I have pending $28,285.25. And at the top, it showed my balance. And I was like, whoa, I have never seen that many digits in my balance. This is not our shared account. This is my account. Right. I'm like, oh, not that our shared account has that many digits. but Just take the money and run. Take, well, you know what, Gabe? Guess what? You'd be amazed how many people implied. I, I had three people in banking tell yep. me, well, you know. If you, you just wait. It would be yours. Yeah. These are people in banking telling me that the way it looks. Now, again, let me back up and say my concern is I, I'm... I am now the victim of some kind of scam. Somebody's going to try to get me to turn over $28,000 to them that they mistakenly put in my account. Well, the young lady I talked to at the fraud line said, well, all I can tell you, it's legitimately a bank transfer. And didn't they also say there was a difference between a bank transfer and, a and check. if someone had said, oh, I put too much in the check, check, so send me back the, that money, some and of the blah, then blah, blah, after blah. you send that money back, you find out that their check was a bad check. Right. So she said, no, this doesn't smell like a fraud at all. This this actually looks like somebody made a mistake. And I'm mm. like, yes, get it out of my account. I, I'm getting really freaked out by this. She my said, wife would I, react the exact same way. Well, let me tell you. Mm. She says, I can't help you. She says, I have to put you in touch with the wire fraud line so now wire fraud gets on the line and she's saying calm down ma'am calm down you've done nothing wrong and i'm saying i know i didn't do anything wrong do not look at me like that and she says i'm gonna have to investigate this and i was on the line and i mean i'm shaking and i'm just looking at my i I keep refreshing my my screen because i want to see if it's going to go away right and it's still pending And it was 28 minutes before i called that it had been put in my account so after a, almost a half hour, she comes back to me and she says, well, it is legitimate. You've done nothing wrong. And she goes on to say, you do realize that if you just waited, if you hadn't checked your account, you'd have that money in your account. And I'm like, I know, make it go away. <laughs> so she says, um, it appears that there is a farming business in Wisconsin that has an account number that is two off of your account number, just two. And the person who sent this wire transfer from the bank in Nevada paying this this independent farm in Wisconsin, they inputted the wrong information. Now, of course, this, this bank that I'm talking to, my bank, is being pretty high and mighty about it because they aren't out any money. Yeah. They didn't do anything wrong. So they're like, oh, well, they made, you know, they, they made the big boo-boo. Th- then we also had a friend who said, you know, you might want to do what the banks do and just say, uh, well, we have to hold, hold this for, for 30, 30 days, days <laughs> to, uh, just, uh, to well, make sure everything's okay. She and- said, just relax. Nobody has your account number. I can see what happened. We're going to send it back to the bank that originated the wire transfer. I said, fine. Guess what happened 48 hours later? I had two $30 charges for sending a wire and then sending the wire back. Mm -hmm. Then I had to get into phone hell because I had to get somebody to listen to me when I'm telling them I never sent a wire. I never sent one back. And eventually I got to somebody who, who kindly said, after saying to me, this is person number three, hmm, it looks like you could have kept that money. 
what is this world coming to? No, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> I said, all I yeah. want is the $60 charges to come out of Don't worry, ma'am. And again, I can hear the wheels in his head going round and round like, dang. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I don't know what upset me more after I realized that I wasn't the victim of a scam. The fact that I had not one but three people say to me, you could have kept that money. And and these were bankers told you yeah, that. Bank, mm-hmm. Yeah, bankers. Yeah. Bankers. And, and it was fortunate that you were able to get to a person at at our bank who, yeah. who knew you who, who said, okay, oh, yeah, let, let me yeah. get these charges yeah. to and go he, away. And he did not suggest that I could have kept the money right. either. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, there were so many levels of this. Um, we'll get back to it a little bit later. But th- that's the whole story. And um, the little uh, farm in Wisconsin hopefully got their money. Yeah, we should almost call the farm and say, hey. I wanted to to say, could I come up and get some free veggies or something? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Maybe a goat or something for 28 What You can want I a goat? What can I what get? The, what can you I get want a, a goat? Baby, a baby goat, not a big goat. Oh, but, oh, just a that, little goat. That makes yes. all the difference What in the can world. I get for $28,000? My wife wants a baby goat. <laughs> Don't baby goats grow up, though? No, no, no. Oh, you're trying you to a little, pygmy little, boat. Pig, oh, pygmy. Okay, I didn't yeah. want to scare him with that word. That, I was that, just saying baby. I think it's time for her medication. Now we'll, we'll take it a is, break. Yes. And we'll be back with more. Stay with us at WGN. A computery guy and a computery gal. And <laughs> I love that little dude, that little computer sound. <laughs> that's, that's fun. Uh, we are, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we are coming to you tonight from the studios of WKGC-FM in Panama City, Florida at uh, Gulf Coast State College. And we should mention, the if you're just tuned in the last half hour, the other voices that you heard in studio with us. Number one is our in-studio executive producer, Caleb Jordan. Oh, I'm executive now. I'm, I moved you up to that. Uh, yep. Thank you. You know, you yep. made the cut promotion. Up to the promotion. <laughs> yep. Because you stayed awake. So I'm like, yeah, he's now the executive producer in-house. <laughs> also, and, and so what does that make Tom? Well, awake. <laughs> Tom is the kind of awake producer. <laughs> I'm the sort of awake awake producer. I, I do the early parts of the show. Okay, <laughs> That's right. Well, Tom Hoot's also with us in studio, and we're just tickled to be here doing the show. And we're thrilled that this happens to be our computer night, because there is so much to talk to Patrick Crispin about. And you all know, if you have a question, a computer question... There is no such, such thing, thing as, as a, a dumb, dumb computer, computer question. question. And if you're new to this, uh, Patrick Crispin is the Director of Educational Technology, Keck School of Medicine of USC. And, and uh, that means he knows stuff. Yes, he does. And you can text us or call us at 312-981-7200. How are you tonight, Patrick? Woohoo! How's everybody doing? <laughs> we'll see. Good. I, I, everything's right in my world now. I got yep, woohoo. We, we got woohoo. <laughs> yes. That's it. Hey, Patrick, can we start with um, a, a, a listener who got in right after ten o'clock and said, "Quote: There's no such thing as a, stu- a as a stupid computer question, except this one." And John goes on to write, when I go to a website more and more, I get a message like, this website uses cookies. Do you accept all cookies? Do you want to decline all cookies? Do you want to accept some of them? My question is, what should I do about cookies? Thanks. And that's from John, 773 area code. So I promised him, Patrick, that we would get to that question. So what do you do about cookies? Uh, the, The short answer is, 
choose do not sell my information and just move on from there. There's a longer information because John has actually hit on a really interesting topic. Um, what is up happening, and first of all, let's, let's back up and explain what's going on with a cookie. Yes. It's a text file that's stored on your computer that websites can read if they have permission that really identifies you when you go back to a website. That's usually a first-party tracking cookie. And these are cookies that are there so that you don't have to enter your password the next time you go in. Mm -hmm. Those are perfectly fine. What's happened is over the last 20 years, there have been third-party tracking cookies, which pretty much as you go from web page to web page to web page, it tracks you and reports back to an ad server saying, oh, this person just went to get some good cars. Oh, this car, this person just went to a guitar center. Oh, this person just watched a video on YouTube on, you know, on um, Les Paul. Let's sell him some, some ads about guitars. And a lot of people felt that that was just like a really terrible thing. It's like, I don't need to be tracked like this. So back, I, gosh, I, in about 2018, the European Union passed something called the General Data Pro uh, Protection Regulation, or GDPR. They also have an e-privacy uh, uh, e directive that I think came out like 10 years earlier. But what really pushed it over the edge was the state of California. Back in 2018, the state of California passed a law that went into effect on January 1st, 2020, that said that sites have to, they have to notify you if they're collecting any personal information about you and give you the option of not having it collect. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is a lot of these sites are just going to say, oh, the heck with it, I'm going to make everybody give me permissions to do cookies. Um, you can choose if you have the option, do not sell my information when you get to those websites. Do not just close that little pop-up message because closing up that pop-up message saying, do you, do, do you consent to, to this, actually gives them consent. What? So they assume mm -hmm. that if you close that pop-up message, you agree that they can put cookies on your computer. That's what Basically, I do. Basically, um, if, if you stay on the website, you have agreed to their terms. Why am I just learning this? I, that's what I do. I'm thinking I'm being sneaky. <laughs> it's like, go away. And then the other yeah. ones, and these are the ones that I hate, are where it's like, okay, do not sell my information. And then they take you into this deep, dark list of things. And it says, yes. okay, well, here are the type of cookies that we have. We have functional cookies. We yeah. have performance <laughs> cookies. We have analytical cookies. We have marketing cookies. And we, we have, have targeting cookies. Cookies. So, so, so let me ask you, uh, do you yeah. have... I do one, usually do one of two things. Either I'm, I figure, okay, I'm going to be on this site while I'm looking for whatever I'm looking for. Yeah, I'll let them do what they want to do. Then I do one of two things. Either I will uh, delete the cookies with, with whatever program I choose to use. Yeah. Or use a browser like Vivaldi that when you leave that site, that site ain't going to follow you anyplace. Safari and Firefox do the same thing. They block targeting, uh, tracking cookies mm -hmm. by default. And I think more um, browsers are doing I, that. I tell you what I do. Mm -hmm. 
and I actually do a double approach. There was a, a plug-in for Chrome called the EFF Privacy Badger. It had some issues for a while. It is now really just kind of a blacklist thing. Uh, it's a good tool created by the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and it's, in effect, a really easy way of you doing the cookie blocking without, um, w- without you know, having problems or you having to know anything. Just search for EF- EFF Privacy Badger. Um, what most people actually know a little bit about their web browser and are willing to tinker with the guts, there is something called uBlock Origin. uBlock Origin is an ad blocker that you can download and install, and they have lots of bells and whistles in there. And if you can go into uBlock Origin and then tweak it, you can get it so there's no tracking that's going on. You can actually get it so you never use the YouTube ads. Um, but it requires a level of skill. And as John mentioned, you know, He's not really all up on computers. My reality is, for him, Safari, Firefox, don't worry about it. If you really want to, are going to use Chrome, um, get the EFF Privacy Badger. Recognize it's not as, as powerful as it used to be, but it still works. It still works. And don't do as Johnny does and just think you're being smart by ignoring it i feel like i've learned something that yeah it's like no you're giving them permission wow Uh, we have to break but just before we do what do you think about browsers uh like tor i know of of them i don't use them that much my concern is almost all the browsers out there right now are built on chromium which is the chrome uh chrome web browser platform and I'm not sure there's a lot of extra bells and whistles that I get from leaving Chrome. Uh, Firefox, I think, is where I'm going to be going out to this summer once Chrome uh, releases Manifest 3, which is going to break a lot of the ad block uh, that everybody has been relying on so for so long. And I think that's going to be the death of Chrome for a lot of advanced users. Everybody's just going to go to Firefox. I'm pretty sure Tor is based on Firefox. Firefox, yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and while we take that break, if you want to go to Google, you can just Google Privacy Badger, B-A-D as in David, G-George, E-R, and the very top one that pops up is the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation Privacy Badger, B-A-D as in David, G as in George, E-R. And we'll come right back with Patrick Crispin here on WGN. We're talking computer stuff with Patrick Crispin, Director of Educational Technology, Keck School of Medicine of usc and just before we uh uh jump back into some other things i want to go back to what we were talking about before cookies and we uh we broke and uh tom hoots our uh, he he's no longer the executive producer what is he now he's the uh he's the seat. the early the early producer former i was produ- gonna say former, seat war- uh, no seat warmer <laughs> seat warmer yeah well i'm keeping this one warm uh no the question i had is uh in in terms of uh uh, cruising around on the internet using a search engine, is there an advantage to using something like DuckDuckGo? Yes, because it does. It, it, it by default says it does not track you at all, um, with one exception. Kim Commando actually discovered that they had a licensing agreement with Microsoft last summer where if you clicked on some of the ads on your phone in DuckDuckGo, 
Microsoft would know your IP address. Um, oh. Other than that, yes, it's absolutely completely safe. I, it, it's a really good browser. All right, sorry, yeah. a really good search engine. In yeah. fact, DuckDuckGo has become my default yeah. search engine. For and that I put reason. I put them on my phone too. Yeah. And use it yep. instead of Chrome, which is loaded on the phone. Uh, 630 area code says, if my iOS device is already set to not use third-party cookies, can I just ignore those cookie pop- pop-ups? By the way, I no, usually... Because, Go ahead. No, because, again, if you ignore them, you're, you are consenting to get them in. So don't um, do as Johnny does, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, don't do what Johnny does. The issue is that it's... <sighs> We're, we're kind of caught in a weird situation where your your browser on your phone is very likely trying to tell all these other sites, do not track this person. But it's still kind of opt-in for those sites on whether or not they're going to agree to do that. iOS actually does have a lot of privacy built into it, but if you ever see a pop-up message saying, do you want to, do you want to accept cookies or not, You've got to say, do not sell my personal information. Okay. And uh, the 630 area code says, I usually delete my data after visiting each website. Isn't that a good thing to do? It is sort of. Um, the, the thing is, there are still ways for them to track you. I still think it's a good idea to have you know, either Safari or Firefox, some sort of of ad blocking tool on your computer as just an extra level of precaution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, people are asking questions at 312-981-7200, but we've got so many things we need to talk to you about. It was a lousy week for Elon Musk. Combination of the um, <laughs> of his stock price is tanking, and his shareholders getting upset with him. There was this little thing called the um, oh, I don't know, was it the uh, Starship Enterprise? Um, Actually, we were here on the radio when these big monitors over our head showed the explosion of, of, well, anyway, you said that there was an upside to that explosion, right, Patrick? There's, There's good and bad. Let me tell you the good. First of all, I am a huge fan of the work that SpaceX is doing on this rocket, and the fact that we now have eventually going to have the biggest rocket in the world that is going to be able to take us on to interplanetary travel. I think this is fantastic. The engineers who put this thing together are some of the smartest people in the world. This really was a test flight. As I've heard a lot of people say, test flights like these almost always fail on the first flight. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just every one of them failed. Um, and it's just part of of rocketry. There's going to be a lot of lessons learned from this, and it's a really positive thing. So you and I will look at this and say, oh, look, it blew up, and say, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. No, this, this, is, this went so much further, so much farther. This is just a really, really huge, significant leap in space exploration. I'm excited by it. That said, I've got three concerns. And these are these are troubling concerns that I think the folks in, at SpaceX are going to fix. The first one is I noticed that this thing look, lifted off with 
three of the engines that didn't light. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't have happened. And what I mean by that is anybody who built a rocket, you have some sort of thing that checks to see if all the engines are firing. And yeah. if you don't, you shut down. Mm-hmm. The fact that this didn't shut down, that's troubling. The fact that you took off with three blown engines, hmm. you don't do that. that. That's really, 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 really bad. And then the other thing that we had was they kind of seemed to have cut some corners on their launch platform. And instead of having some sort of exhaust diverter underneath it, then what is done down at the Cape is they'll have water down there, big big water trough. Mm -hmm. And it isn't necessarily to cool anything down. It's to cut down on the noise and the vibration bouncing back up and damaging the vehicle as it takes off. What SpaceX did down in Texas was they had a flat concrete pad underneath, and when they tested this the last time at only 50% power, it seemed to work. When they tested 100% power, it blew a 25-foot hole in the ground, and wow. concrete went everywhere and, like, was blowing out windows, and it was it was a mess. Um, they need a new launch platform. You know, so it, 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 this was a poor design. Mm-hmm. They should have listened to the, uh, to, to, to the civil engineers and the structural engineers because they were warned that this was going to happen. This happened. It was a bad thing. Well, the other yeah. thing is that Go ahead. that it sh- that it's tumbled for like nearly fifty seconds before it being blown up. That's concerning because any time a vehicle like that goes out of control, it should be blown up. Rain safety officer gonna blow this thing out of the sky. The fact that it had to tumble over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's alarming. That said, I think these are three things that SpaceX is going to fix within the next three to six months. I think you're going to see another uh, another liftoff. It's going to be great. These were three big failures on a really, really successful flight. <laughs> okay. When we come back, I want to talk about the other side of, uh, of Musk's yes. existence, but that's in a couple minutes. Uh, Patrick. Those of you who have your zits and plugs connected, uh, you can see on your speaker the, the dancing icons that are going across your speaker. We're talking about computers <laughs> with Patrick Crispin, a director of educational technology at the Keck School of Medicine of USC. And I wanted to come back to, uh, to Mr. Musk and... Uh, <laughs> His, his endeavors with Twitter. And here's my, my question. Yeah, I still use Twitter. A lot of people still use Twitter. Since we're losing the blue check marks, this has caused more and more problems. For example, just over the past couple days, people were impersonating Mayor Lightfoot and other members from the city council and posting about Lakeshore Drive, DeSabo Lakeshore Drive, being closed down. It's not going to be closed down, yeah. so don't listen with half an ear. <laughs> so, so here is my question. How do you determine what is real and what is not real on Twitter since you've lost those blue check marks? I mean, are you just guessing? Do you, if you see something, do you just check it with other sources? Or what's, what your, do you best, do? what's your best uh, suggestion? You really have to check with other sources, and it's 
so unfortunate. I'm not sure what what Elon's doing with Twitter right now. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure he he has a vision of what he wants Twitter to be. He wants it to be the everything app for everybody. And what that means is you're going to go there and you're going to spend all of your time on the Twitter app. It's going to be a payment system. It's going to be social media. It's going to be long-form text and things like that. And I think he had to go and kind of blow up the old Twitter to get to that. I think he's ended up hurting a lot of people's trust in the platform. And I'm not sure how he becomes the the, the, the financial platform that, it, that, that he wants it to be mm-hmm. if nobody trusts it. And that's the problem right now is you used to – to be able to get a blue check mark, you had to be somebody who was a significant person and actually have to prove that you were the person that you said that you were. Mm-hmm. In return for you getting the little blue check mark, it told everybody who was interacting with you that, hey, I really was talking with Mike Royko, or I really was talking with Steve King, or I really was talking with you know, Orion Samuelson, and this is th- these are the real people. And you could tell that it was that person, and it gave the opportunity for those people to then go onto Twitter and interact with people and sort of promote things and say, hey, I've got a show coming up tonight, listen in, or hey, I've got this issue I want you to know about. And it gave everybody in the laity the opportunity to kind of say, hey, I get to send a message back to this person and say, hey, have you thought about this? And and and. It was a wonderful communication tool. What's happened is now anybody who's willing to pay Elon eight dollars mm-hmm. can now have a blue check mark, and because of that, you really don't have to verify that you are who you are. You just have to verify one that you have eight dollars and two that you have a telephone number, and. There are a lot of people who are faking that they are, you know, the city of New York or the city of Chicago or very famous people. Elon, earlier tonight, went and he had turned off blue check marks as sort of the verification system for everybody and then went back tonight without telling anybody and turned it back on for anybody who had more than a million followers. What's happened is a lot of the people with a million followers are saying, I don't really want to be associated with the people who are paying the $8. I don't want my name associated with these people because I'm looking at the stuff that they're posting and it's like, no, you've taken something and, you know, the blue check mark used to mean I'm I'm me, you can trust me. Mm -hmm. And now it's. I'm, you know, I'm a troll, and I can post whatever I want. Ha ha ha! Wasn't it just it, it, earlier it's, it's this so week? Sad. Wasn't it just earlier this week that NPR said, yep. "No, we're out of here." Yeah, and, and, and PBS NPR said it, and, and it, it sent Musk into a snit where he was uh, yep. uh, replying with some really stupid well, tweets. PBS said that uh, they have plans, no plans, to resume tweeting after Twitter gave them a murky government-funded media label. Yeah. Yeah. They said, no, we're not going to tolerate they that. They did the same thing with the NPR. I mean, that was a... Yeah. You know, NPR and the BBC. Yeah. yeah, and the BBC. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, WKGC being an NPR station, uh, you know, this is not a great thing. We're not government-funded media, I yes. don't think. No. And, 
And, and Patrick, I, I touched on uh, earlier tonight uh, the fact that I got involved in what I, I deem kind of a stalking situation with a person that I innocently was communicating with because they mm-hmm. had the blue check. And I thought this was yep. legitimately the person that I, I had gone onto an entertainer's page, and he's very active with his fans, and I had... Post, and, and this is that someone page. that we have had on the show. On the, we're right. not going to say who it was. No, I posted on his page, and then privately I get a message from him, quote-unquote, with the blue check mark. And I thought, oh, cool, he remembers that we've had him on the show a number of times. He wouldn't go away. Then uh, I became aware of the fact it's not him. And, and some yeah. of the things that he was Starting saying ask me, and asking I were, said, holy Johnny smoke. told me about it, and I said immediately, no, Get rid of not it. him. I, I, and well, here's, he, the thing. here's the thing. Going back to the whole idea, and it, it, Elon has, has sort of called this X.com, and he wants it to be the X app. It's always been his pipe dream, even back before he, he was with yeah. PayPal. And, you know, would you trust Elon with your financial information because I mean, I'm hell no. <laughs> I'm sorry but I, hell no. I, I believe I believe in SpaceX I, and what they did with with the with the rocket what they did with Starlink fantastic. Got to admit what he's done with with Tesla has been fantastic. Yeah. I'm just the trust here is really problematic and and isn't you that really, that really one of the key things? You can no longer trust Twitter. Well, but and that's the thing is, when you talk about finance, you want to know that Visa and MasterCard are as pale, plain, neutral as humanly possible. You you just they are boring companies. You're not they are not going to go in one one political direction or another political direction. I can't guarantee that. X.com isn't going to sit there and say, I'm not going to allow you to go and make payments to, you know, some political party that I don't agree oh, with or yeah. to some organization. Or I'm going to sit there and say, I've decided that I don't like Ukraine anymore and I'm not going to allow you to send any money to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, what? Yeah. And yeah. So it, it's frustrating because Elon's such a smart guy. He's and he's but, done some really good things. I think he has really taken a forty-four billion dollar pile of money and set it on fire with Twitter. I don't know what he's thinking. If I were on the board of directors of Tesla, I'd be sitting there saying, "Yeah, this is boss. You need to get back to work over here." Yeah, and see, or, I, I would put a, I would put an asterisk next to what you just said. You said. Elon is a smart guy. Okay, yeah. asterisk. As long as he doesn't let his emotions get involved in his decision-making process. And and I think he really did that with Twitter on a lot of levels. And the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, I, and I'm reading conflicting things. On one hand, I guess Twitter is slowly starting to get kind of financially okay but in terms of I don't of, know about uh, that. Of, I don't know yeah. the advertisers are returning. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and part of it is, you know, no, I'm you not know, talking about advertisers returning. I'm talking about apparently some of the the cuts that he has made, as bad as they have been, all the layoffs and things. The, yeah. his financial statement on Twitter isn't as bad as it was when <laughs> when he took it over. <laughs> I guess. But but again, part of this is is a lot of a lot of Elon is trolling just to be funny. But, I mean, the, the model numbers for the Teslas, the mm-hmm. S the three, the X, and the Y. He didn't. He was going to do a Model E, but Ford owns that. So if you spell it out, it's sexy. Wow, funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, it, that's it, like the, when he walked into uh, to Twitter carrying a toilet. With a, well, no, it was a sink. As, oh, it was uh, a sink. sink in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. What about naming his kid? Isn't his, his kid oh, something yeah. like XK2ZY? <laughs> yeah. Bless his heart. And we're going to take a quick break. But, Patrick, before we do, just yes or no, are, do you use Twitter? I do. I don't post as much and nearly as I'd like to, and I'm finding a less utility from it. But a lot of the people I still follow are still there, especially yeah. in the AI world. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's something else we have to touch on, too, tonight. Talking with Patrick Crispin here on WGM. We're going to get to some questions at 312-981-7200. Question about Facebook coming in. I expected that. And uh, stay with us here on WGN. I love watching all those ones and zeros dancing around the the room. Uh, Before we leave the the Musk room... I have to return to one final question, then we'll jump to some other things. Uh, and I know we've talked about this before, Patrick, but at this point, any viable alternatives to Twitter, Facebook? I mean, we, we've talked about uh, Post and Mastodon. Yeah. Uh, anything new on the horizon that we should be looking at? There are a couple new ones that are coming out. Uh, nothing that I'd say has any traction. All the people who said they were going to leave Twitter have returned to Twitter. Uh, Post is interesting. Post.news. Uh, I'm still waiting for something to happen there. Yeah, uh, it's it's intriguing. Mastodon is just a little too wonky for a lot of people. Twitter was a great platform. There are some new Twitter clones that are coming up, but again, it's going to require a lot of people who were part of the Twitter community. And that's what made Twitter great, were the yep. people. It's going to take a lot of those people leaving en masse and going someplace else for How about the wait list for Twitter, IP too? Viable. Yep. There's a wait list? Yeah, oh, there's a wait. Yeah, you uh-huh. sign up to be on the wait list for Twitter, too. Okay. Am I right yeah. about this, Patrick? It's some of the people who used to be involved with Twitter and they're... Or is it not... No, it's, it's just called T2, I think. T2. T2, and it's some of the old some of the old Twitter people have set it up, and it's the idea of we're going to go back to Twitter like five six years ago and just do what we used to do. Um, huge wait list again. Setting up something like this it requires a lot of money, and that's something Elon has. He has a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, and it's you know unfortunately there's nothing's come yet that I can sit there and say yep that's the reason why I'm leaving Twitter. Because, again, a lot of the people in the AI world that I follow are on Twitter, and it's probably the best place right now for me to find that information. Yeah. Can I take you to Facebook for a moment? Because um, we got a good question about Facebook. And, and I just wonder if you have any take on what's been going on on Facebook. Because I have had so many friends in the past two weeks say, my account is frozen. Yep. 
or I'm in jail, I didn't do anything wrong, what's going on? I mean, they're not using any of the words or any no images that that would red flag them. Do you are you getting any sense that there's some something that's going on there that we're better buckle up for? Nothing, nothing at scale yet, but realistically, my recommendation to everybody is: if you have a Facebook account, turn on two-factor authentication. There have been some people who have been taking over other people's Facebook accounts yes. and then posting things that end up getting them into trouble. It's really, oh, really frustrating. That's how it so, happens, I bet. Yeah. Yep. And it will, Okay, take a moment and talk about what two-factor authentication is, because a lot of people may not know it by that term, but maybe they know when they sign onto their bank account, they are asked a right. question or they're sent a, a, a code. That's, in fact, two-factor authentication, right? Yeah, the two-factor authentication for most of these uh, sites is it's going to send you a text message to your cell phone completely off the record that's about as secure as, you know, as a tissue paper wall, <laughs> but it's better than nothing. Um, a better way to do it is to use something like Google Authenticator, which is something that can't be spoofed that we know of. Mm-hmm. But what you do is you just basically on any of the websites that have uh, data that you really want to protect – you're going to go into the settings, go into the privacy and security settings, and you're going to turn on two-factor or multi-factor authentication. And what it'll do is it'll say, hey, can you give me your cell phone number? You can trust it when you do this. And it will send you a text message with a six-digit code, and you'll enter that six-digit code to prove that you have the phone that you say that you have. Mm-hmm. And then from now on, anytime somebody tries to log in, even if they have your password, they're still not going to be able to get in without that second factor, which is going to be a text message that's going to come to your mobile phone that has a, six div- a new six-digit number that right. you will then have to enter within the next X number of seconds. And is it a little bit of a pain? Yeah, but does it make a huge yeah. difference? Yeah. Huge difference. It is, so it is, it is essential on anything that has anything... You need to set it up on your, anything that has photos of you, anything that has your social media, because you just don't want to lose access to that information, because that's that's your life in, right. online nowadays. Right. Okay, so Laura sends us a text, and she said that for some reason her Facebook page was frozen. So yep. she didn't think, she didn't do anything wrong, so she just opened another Facebook account. Then she got a message that her original Facebook account was no longer in jail. It was unfrozen. So now she has two Facebook accounts. And so she's confused because she's got friends on both sides and she doesn't want to lose all the good stuff that was on the original account. Is there anything that we could recommend that she do to combine them, to get rid of one of them? The answer is, Laura, you done goofed. I, I, I don't, I, I'm sorry to tell you this. Facebook's community standards doesn't allow you to have two personal pages. And because of that, they don't have any mechanism to merge accounts. What you're going to need to do is on this new site that you have, the new the, the new account, you want to go and just download all of the friends, maybe download all the data in your timeline and everything, and then delete that account, go back to your old account, and manually add your users, and some of the posts that you post are going to be gone. It, there just is no way in Facebook to merge accounts. 
just does not it's not possible on that note we're going to have to hit the pause button can you hang with us for a few minutes after we, the news? We, we've got to come back Absolutely. and talk for just a few minutes about this lawsuit because we all need to get our money about the facebook <laughs> yeah. lawsuit okay yes. <laughs> yes so stay with us here on wgn we are talking to one of our original if not our original cyber guys from website wednesday night mm-hmm. if you listen to us when we were steve and johnny 1.0 on one of those 6,000 plus shows you know the name patrick crispin why in fact you all grew up with patrick <laughs> he grew up with us on the radio we first talked with patrick when he was a student uh, in uh, tuscaloosa alabama he is now the director of educational technology at keck school of medicine of usc yes and um, patrick we've opened up a few few little cans of worms if we can just go back to two-step authentication and we were yep. talking about how you need to have two-step authentication for your facebook page so if you get locked out and really for everything. Or if somebody steals it Forever. or whatever. Um, a listener from a 414 area code says, I don't want them to have my phone number. Years ago, when you had to give it for a messenger, I did, and I used it once. A few years later, I downloaded my Facebook information, and what showed up for my phone was an itemized phone record of all incoming and outgoing numbers. Uh. Time made and the length of those phone calls. I know my number Yikes. is somewhere in their system, but that is not the one listed to contact me. <laughs> I now sign in with a dummy address and addresses for them to contact me that are not used Fine. either. I'm not tagged, and my pictures are of places, not of humans. Well, that's good for you, but I can't just take pictures of places and food. I got to put some people in my pictures, <laughs> and that's the way it's always going to be. But what about using a dummy? I mean, if, if you use a dummy number, then they can't get that authentication that they need You're before they can the let you back on. What you can do, though, is there's an app that you can put on your mobile device called Google Authenticator. And Google Authenticator is basically something that every 30 seconds will generate a new number for you. And you can actually use Google Authenticator with Facebook. It absolutely works. It's fantastic. And that's actually what I do. I've tried to go through almost all the websites that I sign up to that have two-factor authentication and turn off the telephone. I just don't want the telephone coming to me. I'm going to use Google Authenticator if I can. Okay. Oh, that's a good point. So for our our listener, I, I, I was totally freaked out when he said that a whole call list came up with length of phone yeah. calls and stuff and it's like i've never heard that before that seems like some other wrinkle in in time or uh, i don't even know how I've that, not heard that either but i mean it's it's yeah it's possible yeah another listener says i have reported scammers to twitter and facebook and in my experience of reporting bad actors twitter has been or was better than facebook removal of scammers i have to agree there because I have lousy they luck were, reporting but scammers then they on fired Facebook. Everybody. Yeah, that's exactly. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what is now, the... if you if you try to contact their public relations department, they have an auto reply with a poop emoji. What? That, that's that, that's that's Twitter's public relations is an auto reply with a poop emoji. What was the, the I saw a, yes. a couple weeks ago the percentage of people oh that. Uh, are no longer at Twitter since Musk took over 
It's a, it, it really size, it, it's, a, of, it's, like, it's the size of Rhode Island. It's a skeleton crew. Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, three 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 one says, uh, "LOL." Tell Patrick that smart doesn't necessarily equal having common sense or common decency. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. amen. Okay, speaking Trust of me, smart, you just described me. <laughs> <laughs> so last week there was a lot of talk about, "Ooh, there's a lawsuit against Facebook," and if you had a Facebook page between May twenty fourth of oh seven and December of twenty twenty two, you could have a cut of seven hundred. $25 million in this settlement that will come about in August of this year. The first obvious question is, Patrick, is this legit? Well, there are two ways to answer this. The, the truth is, yes, this is legit. Here's the reason why I'm saying there's two, two, two ways to answer this. The more people who sign up for this, the smaller the payout's going to be. <laughs> yep. So my recommendation is we only tell it to your listeners, but we ask the listeners not to tell anybody else about it so that we all get the money and split it amongst ourselves. Okay. Uh, so if anybody asks, it's completely it's, fake. It's wrong. Do, yeah. Don't, don't sign up. Don't do it. Yeah. It's absolutely legitimate. It, there's a $725 million settlement if you sign up for it. easiest way to do it is just go to WGN Radio dot com and search for facebook settlement they have a link to it right there it goes to mm-hmm. facebook user privacy settlement dot com which is a lot of words so just go through the wgm website does this go It'll back ask to you when, for some information go ahead yeah does this go back to when It'll, zuckerberg uh, uh, was before congress and talked about you know keeping everybody's information private and et cetera et cetera <laughs> this is actually more uh, more from the cambridge analytica sort of debacle oh, where they right. were tracking yeah. us at, going on the internet. This is yeah. from a Northern California lawsuit, and they just did a settlement instead of saying that they did anything wrong. But again, it's going to be, yes, it's $725 million. million. It's for only U.S. people, but there are 239 million Facebook users. The reality is the lawyers are going to get a third of that $725 million. There's going to be maintenance fees and things like that. It's probably going to be about $400 million split amongst all the people who sign up for this thing. Realistically, you probably get 100, 150 million people are signed up for this thing. You're getting two bucks. Uh, <laughs> but again, two bucks is two bucks and sign up for it. It's uh, You just fill out a claim online uh, between now and August 25th. Choose how you want to get paid. I think I'm having mine sent as a, uh, as a gift card, like a a MasterCard gift card. Um, no. We'll see what happens. I, I, mean, I, I want Bitcoin. That's how I want mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is absolutely legit. You can sign up for this thing. And just think, they give you the option of printing out the claim form and then mailing it in the old-fashioned way. And if you're lucky, you'll get the money back for your stamp. <laughs> right? Because what? The, the stamps are now like 60 cents. cents. So yeah, if you're so, lucky. Yeah, you, it, it's real. You're going to get a couple bucks. It's not going to be a huge amount of money. You're not going to retire, but hey, free money. But you know what? We can laugh about that, but in the state of Illinois, there was a settlement, and honestly, as it was circulating, a lot of us, myself included, thought it was some kind of a, a joke, yep. and until friends of ours started posting pictures of their $329 facial recognition check. And there was a lawsuit if, mm-hmm. you know, your pictures were out there. That and was totally legit. It was legit. And $329, is uh, that's, that'll buy a few stamps for sure. 
You're not going to get that from Facebook. <laughs> I guess you're right, but it is legit. And like as you said, yeah. we can go to the WGN Radio website, and the address is right there. Patrick, as always, thank you for your time. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Have, have, a, have a great, great day. day. We'll talk to you. We have a lot more coming up, so uh, stay with us at WGN. That is Tommy Emanuel, along with Little Feet and Sam Bush. Little Feet? Yeah. Dixie Chicken. Oh, my gosh. I saw them in 1975. Dixie, we got to play Dixie Chicken for a moment. Yeah. We haven't done that in a while. But the Tommy Emanuel, who will be coming to Chicago in the fall. He will be joining us next week. In fact, uh... The blatant plug light has just gone on, and we should mention that next week, yes, we're still going to be in Panama City Beach, uh, and we're going to be joined by uh, Tommy Emanuel. We'll talk cars with uh, Tom Appel, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Michael Lister, yeah, one of our favorite authors from the Panama City Beach area, will be joining us. Don Perlman, a name you know from news in Chicago, but he has got a whole new life as a numismatist. Yes, he's a very respected numismatist. And we're going to talk about coins and coin collecting and sunken treasure and this little auction that he was involved in. In fact, one of you guys in the studio may recall there was a pawn shop in downtown uh, Flo- uh, at Panama City. Oh yeah, well, uh, and they had a coin that was auctioned off, and it was like the most expensive auction ever for a single coin. Th- and it was this right was here. A- about uh, I want to say about ten years ago. Yeah. It, it was in Panama City. It and was, people would actually, it was one of the places that was uh, really hurt by Hurricane Michael. It wasn't um, Dan's pawn shop. No, not Dan's pawn. That this was on. Um, oh, mama, mama, on 15th, I think. And people would actually come here, like a tourist oh. attraction, just to see this coin that was ultimately auctioned off at a, a price that had never, ever been seen before. It, it, something like Panama City coin or something like that. Well, we'll get uh, him to tell us the whole story because he was involved in that whole story, too. I think he may have even come to Panama City. Uh, for authentication yeah. of that coin, I, that that always blew my mind that it was right here. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk about coin collecting. In fact, over the next few months, we're going to be doing a series of collecting or collectible shows. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about sports card collectibles uh, or all sports collectibles in general, uh, guitar collecting. Uh, we uh, we're going to try and get it, uh, get in touch with our friend Wayne Chancic and uh, we'll yeah. do, a, do a talk about records and one hit wonders. Right. So Wayne, if you're out there, we keep leaving you messages. <laughs> Serious, uh, Wayne Chancic, author of the Billboard Book of One Hit Wonders. We have called him umpteen times. Yes. We will once every six months out of the blue, we get a phone call from Wayne yes. saying. Hi guys, uh, where are just, you? Uh, where are you? And uh, <laughs> and we call him back, and we never, never. we hit, we never yeah. know. Yeah, and Wayne actually holds the record. Um, Patrick is right behind Wayne, but Wayne is the longest running regular guest. He was on our show for yeah. twenty years, once a month, and he missed two times in 20 years and we wrote the foreword for uh, wayne's book the uh, billboard book of one hit wonders the first time we met wayne jancic i will never forget uh we'd read his book yep then we went over to his house 
If you can imagine, and I am not exaggerating. A two-story house. Two-story house. You walk into the house. He carefully opens the door, and you walk through the rows of records that are stacked throughout the house. But now, no, remember. His wife said there were, could not be a piece of vinyl on the first floor. If there was a piece of vinyl on the first, well, he still when we first met him, he still hadn't taken all the vinyl up. Yeah, but then but he was taking. It would uh, go to the garbage if it. And stayed that's on the how first. he discovered that the house needed work because there was so much vinyl on the second floor that it was causing problems with the the structure of the house. So and the he, floor was sagging. It was so he moved his cars out of his garage <laughs> to put some of the vinyl in his garage. <laughs> in his garage. <laughs> I mean, he had. I forget how many Remember, hundreds of thousands of. Oh, records he knew he had. something like two hundred fifty thousand pieces of vinyl, yeah. and he was still going and picking up people's collections because yeah. at that time people were just saying, "Why." Well, I don't have any use for that. Probably not the case today. But I can recall the freaky thing was when we walked into the apartment on the second floor and you walked into the kitchen and where there was a refrigerator, there was vinyl on the refrigerator. <laughs> Literally. And it was on the stove and on the table and in the pantry. And remember a local TV show, Wild um, Chicago. Yeah, came Wild out, Chicago. They came and the out. cameraman hurt himself trying yeah. to walk through the apartment because it was so tight with little paths through all the vinyl. Bless his heart, he knew everything that was Wait in there. Wait, if you're out there, we're trying to contact we, you, we, we love you. We miss you. You were <laughs> yeah. a regular part of our show for 20 years. And, I think and, pa- and it was through Wayne Jancic. I will never forget this. Through Wayne Jancic, because we always tried to get one-hit wonders on, that's how we first met Screamin' Jay Hawkins. That's right, yes. Which turned out to be a, a great fun relationship. Screaming Jay Hawkins was a wonderful person. And so often when I'm watching yeah. the music shows like The Voice or American Idol and somebody comes out there and says, I'm going to do the um, uh, Annie Lennox version of I Put a Spell on You yeah. or some other version and I'm screaming at the TV, no, that's Screaming Jay's song. But it's just nice that it still lives on, that there's a yeah. whole new audience that loves that song, I Put a Spell on You. And, and it was... I will never forget, we finally got to meet, after talking with him on the air for years, we finally got to meet Screaming Jay Hawkins in person, because he was living in France, but we had talked to him so many times that the producers of the Chicago Blues Fest wanted to have him over for the to headline the 13th Chicago Blues Fest. We had his contact information, we put everybody in touch with everybody, he comes over, and one of the fun things, since he was going to be headlining the Blues Fest... He has a song that he does called Constipation Blues. We had to take Screamin' Jay Hawkins to a store to buy a toilet. a toilet. And he loved the fact that the city of Chicago had to pay for the stage toilet. <laughs> and, and send a crew out to pick it up and put it on the stage. Absolutely. He was such a sweet guy. Gosh. Uh, speaking of music, in this hour next week, we'll be talking with Lisa McClowery. Yes. She's going to join us to tell us all about a concert that is coming up that you guys can catch. Because if you follow Lisa, you know, she's been in Australia. She's been really mm-hmm. everywhere but Chicago. But she's going to be doing a, a show at the um, Genesee Theater uh, the following Friday. But she'll tell us all about it next week when she's on the program. And, so, and speaking of, of music. Yes. Okay. We're going to break. Coming out of the break after the news, we do a little bumps. 
We're going to bump back with a group that you will meet in this studio oh, yeah. a few weeks from now. This oh, is a, the, a, a local group. Uh, they're called Jack and Jen. And I'm just forewarning yeah. you because it, it's some really it's some extraordinary music, some extraordinary talent on here. And, and it's we'll, perfect for this hour of the night, yeah, and too. And we'll introduce yeah. you to them in a couple of weeks. Ooh. I know that that may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I love I that. I do, too. That is uh, Death Roll. It's by Jack and Jen. Jack and Jen are from the Panama City area, mm-hmm. and we're going to have them in the studio with us live in a couple of weeks. They are just d- d- extraordinary talents. i got to find out the, the story behind the song Death Roll. Also, the story behind their name, because she's actually Sandy, and he's actually Eli. So I'm thinking something happened in a bar, and somebody ordered a little Jack with some gin. I think it's a great name. <laughs> and they said, Jack and, because it's spelled uh, Jack and G-I-N. G-I-N, like gin and tonic, yeah. yeah. And I first discovered uh, Sandy. It was after Hurricane Michael. Mm-hmm. And Johnny and I were still in Chicago. We were very concerned about her dad, uh, who was down here uh, with Hurricane Michael at that time. And we're paying a lot of attention to a lot of the posts on Facebook and some of the other places uh, from from this area. And I came across this wonderful text, or uh, it was a post, that Sandy did about the aftermath of Hurricane right. Michael. And we became Facebook friends as a result of that. I didn't know at that time that she was also involved with music. Mm-hmm. And come to find out uh, all these years later, wow, is she a talent. And Jack and Jen will be in studio right here in this studio with us on May 6th, technically May 7th, because it's going to be in the midnight hour. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get their whole story, and they're going to come in here and perform with us, and it's going to be fun. And and we should mention, too, that uh, this studio... Uh, we're taking you on the road for a couple couple of weeks, for those of you that are just joining us. Uh, yes, we're still live, but we are broadcasting from the studios of WKGC-FM in Panama City, Florida, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're at uh, Gulf Coast State College in Panama City. And thanks to uh, Caleb Jordan and Tom Hoots uh, and uh, several of the people here at the uh, Gulf Coast State College. Uh, you said, said we're still live, not yes. alive, right? Right. Because I looked at Tom. Alive is a totally <laughs> different wondering. word. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, at least three of us are alive. Yeah. The, sh- the show is live. <laughs> How many of us involved in the show are live. awake? That, yes. That's a whole other story. <laughs> well, bless his heart. He usually goes to bed at probably, what, 9, 30, 10 o'clock? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, 10 o'clock's a late night. Yeah. If you're yeah. going to get up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, you have to go to bed early. Well, you know what? We'll call you four thirty or five to yeah. be sure you get up be, this morning. Uh, oh no! Because no. <laughs> <laughs> no. our problem I'm is, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to make you know maybe six o'clock. So I put the word out on our block to our landscaper in particular that when we do the show, you know, we get home and we can't go right to bed. You kind of have to unwind. So sometimes we don't go to bed till like five or six. So maybe don't mow. On Sunday morning, maybe you could come on Monday or Tuesday or just let it grow. I don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> okay. I do not want the time to get away from us because we have our last call coming up. Then we're going to yeah. wrap up this show. There is truly the freakiest story that I want to leave you all with. This is the stuff of nightmares. It's okay. only April. like <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
But it's the middle of the night, and we're all adults, so I can Well, we just this. played Death Roll, so... That's true. This is great. Set the mood. Okay. Did you guys hear about the cattle dying in Texas? Oh, this is freaky. <laughs> From... And, it, and it's true. Okay. Six, six cattle, different farms, not all in the same place, in the past week have been found dead... There was no blood. The grass around them is not disturbed. Their tongues have been cut out. And a few of them have had the um, removed. The rest of the digestive system. But no, no blood. No blood. Hmm. Nothing. Oh, and one side of the face is also gone on the cow. Now... FBI has been called in because it was six different locations. To quote them, doesn't look unusual at all. I'm sorry. Call somebody from if Roswell. If the FBI is saying this is normal, this, what, huh? this is Texas. Huh? Roswell. Somebody from somebody's got to. This is really freaky. And I first saw the story and I said, "Oh, this can't be real." And I went to four or five different sources, and they're running with this because. People are baffled. Farmers are freaked out, obviously. If you yeah. walked out and you found one of your cows lying there, then you realize its tongue had been cut out. There is um, an unscripted uh, TV show that features that once in a while. It's what? Called, yes. It, it, <laughs> what? It, it, yes. What kind of stuff called... are you watching? What kind of cable system are you on? What? I don't know. We don't get real good cable in Panama City. You know that. But, uh, uh, yeah, if you look at the, I think it's the Mystery of Skinwalker Ranch, it's called. Oh, no. And they have uh, shown some of the, and it's, uh, I believe you'll find the eye on the side of the head that's looking up would be removed, yeah. too. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, they it, talk about this all the time. They they had one. They had one die. Um, here's the You know thing. way too much about this, Tom. I'm sorry. Well, if this hasn't happened on the show, it will. The cuts are apparently precision, like with surgical tools. And how do you get a cow to sit still? I mean, I'm like, it blows my mind. Again, we're we're adults here. I know this is gross, but two of them had their anuses removed with precision cuts. I'm sorry, no human would do that. That's an alien. I'm just, that's that's it. The only way we can describe this. You know, I was I was waiting. I was wondering why we were this late. I was waiting for us to get to it's aliens. Aliens. Yep. Yes. Yep. No footprints. The grass was not disturbed. No blood. Six different farms. And it only happens at night. And in Texas. Well, the the one at Skinwalker Ranch is a Utah. Skinwalker thing, Ranch that makes my skin crawl. Well, that's a re- I mean that's a Navajo thing. Uh, really? It, yeah, it's a, sh- a shapeshifter in Navajo. Yes, oh and my and gosh. apparently the uh, there's a fight going on between a couple of Indian tribes and the Navajos uh, cursed this property with skinwalkers. Whoa! It's Ooh. a weird show, but uh, you think? Uh, but wow. you know, if I have a choice between. Watching that or watching the news, I'm going for the I'm going for okay. the alien cow ad- abductions. You know, I, yeah. I'm not watching okay. the news. 
Yeah. And, and I think it makes more sense, too, yeah. than, than the news I see nowadays. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, again, I'll close this story by saying, once more, the FBI was quoted as saying, there's no indication that anything unusual has happened here. Uh-huh. All right, now. Uh, on that note, before we break, yes, you know what time it is. We're getting ready for the They're last call. The They're flicking the lights. Yes. So if you want Caleb's to be our going to start sweeping the floor around <laughs> us. <laughs> if you want to be our last caller and win some goodies from the prize list, yes. you can give us a call right now. Yep. Number to call is 312-981-7200. That number again, 312-981-7200. And you you may be our last caller uh and we will Watch, no we'll, we'll arbitrarily pick a number. Yes, from the that's calls. how we try to make it. Um, no, I think we do make it fair yeah. because we have a big bank of mm-hmm. uh, lines, and when the calls come in, so that we don't just choose the first caller that comes in and make them the last caller, we take a bank of calls, and then our producer Andrew B gives us a, uh, the number of people who've called in. We choose a lucky number, and that's the lucky last caller. And they get to be on the radio with us, and they get to just chat about nonsense or some intelligent stuff. It doesn't matter. No requirements. And then you win <laughs> prizes. So stay with us, and you can be the last caller, 312-981-7200 on WGN Radio. Yeah, uh, they're flicking the lights, uh, ready for our last call. <sighs> I hope they get that big buffer out and they buff the floors <laughs> in a few minutes so we'll know <laughs> it's officially the last call. That's kind of my fantasy to drive one of those buffers, but that's another story. We have uh, some <laughs> folks on the line, and we're going to keep it simple this week. We are going with, Have you agree Yeah. with me? Mm-hmm. We're going to take number one, Yep. lucky number one, and say good morning to Ryan on line one. Hi, Ryan. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Steve and Johnny. How are you? Good. How Good. are you tonight? Where are you calling from? Calling from uh, Elburn, Illinois. Elburn. Oh, we used to love the Fisherman's Inn in Elburn. Oh, yeah. uh, some of our first dates were at the uh, Fisherman's Inn, and that's the place we used to go there. And literally, the, the fish that you would be eating for dinner had been Mid- swimming. Yeah. Or so in they the said. pool outside. Yeah. And you got those. Uh, we still have some of the matchbooks. They used to give you the matchbooks with your name printed on them. Yes. We, are you too young to know any of that, uh, Ryan? No, I, I've been there many times. Uh, really? Change it over to uh, a wedding venue now. Oh, is it? So the building is actually still there? It's still there. Oh, well, that's good because that was a gorgeous location. Now, is it only a wedding venue or can you still go out there for dinner or something? or? Nope, you can only go there for wedding venues, so you'd have to get married wow. in the future. Well, no, actually, we have a 40th anniversary yeah. coming up next year. So maybe this for our 40th year's. anniversary, oh, yeah. we'll go to the... We'll just have okay. a, us a party. I like Now, that. I don't know if we can find anybody to come, but we'll have a party <laughs> out in Elburn. <laughs> Why are you up at this hour of the morning? Well, uh, my sister has been speaking to you, uh, <gasps> Aunt Salvis. Oh, you're the... Oh, you have Maybe a... getting back oh, Ryan has a link... To Panama City because his sister is a producer at WMBB. Yes. Yes. In, in fact, we just had a Facebook message from her this week. Yes, we're going to get weird. That, we're going to get together and have coffee with her next week. That is so cool that so you it's, called. It's six degrees of Ryan. <laughs> or there you go. Or Panama City. 
Because I remember the night we were on the air, and I think we were back in Chicago, right, Ryan? And you sent the text. Six weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, and you said, uh, do you know my sister? And we had just interviewed Amy Hoyt, and your sister works with Amy Hoyt Uh on WMBB. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. so cool. Well, well, your sister's gone on to big things. What about you? (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) Your sister did good. What about you, kid? (laughs) I just wanted to see if anybody's listening. I'm sorry. I said, I'm certainly doing my best. (laughs) Are you? Okay. (laughs) Uh, I've worked in uh, the service industry in the Chicagoland area for a long time. Oh, well, good. Well, what, I, what do you do? Seriously. I, I didn't mean to offend anybody, so I'm just teasing oh. you. <laughs> uh, I used to work in the car business. I worked for Russo Power Equipment. Uh, oh. We're located out of Schiller Park, Illinois. Oh, I work out of their store. And you commute anywhere from Elburn? I, I mean, I well, love it out well, there, but that's a fur piece. Well, Elgin's only about a half hour away from there, so. Okay. Okay. It's very close. Well. We're listening tonight, and I believe your sister's also listening. I think she sent me a text and said she'd be uh, tuned into the live stream this evening. Mm-hmm. So hopefully yep. she's still awake and she's hearing you. So really quick, I, I just wanted to say uh, the first time I heard your show was when I was coming back up from visiting her about a year and a half ago when you were mm-hmm. doing the radio drive-by with Lisa Dent, right when she was first starting. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sticking around and hanging out with us in the wee hours of the morning. Absolutely. And honestly, I'm going to be I'm going to be thrilled to see you in a WGN radio retro t-shirt. You're going These to get, are really cool. Yeah, Not just because we work for WGN, but these are really cool t-shirts. You're going to get one of those. And, Ryan, you're going to get a desktop weather station from American Weathermakers Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. The 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. And congratulations. And it sure is nice to actually talk to you. Thanks. So hold on. We'll get some information from you off the air. Thank you. Take, Take care, Ryan. And I just realized, before we wrap up and get out of here, mm-hmm. we didn't get to complete all of our round robin because uh, we didn't get to talk to uh, to Dan Long, who... Uh, the keeper of the big plug. Yes. Hey, Dan, how <laughs> you doing? Hey, good evening. Or morning, I guess, technically yeah. for everybody <laughs> Good now. grief. Yes, good grief. Yeah. So, yeah. now you have to be at the radio station... And it's going to be dark and scary on those halls. Did I freak you out with that cow story? Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the night now. <laughs> going to be watching out for all those cows walking through the hall. <laughs> if I hear hoof clops, I'll know what it is at least. <laughs> I got a text from someone said, oh, thanks. And I knew exactly what they were thanking me for. <laughs> oh, golly. Well, um, we've come full circle because... <laughs> Remember when we started the show with the Maverick Brothers? Yes. Bart and Brett Maverick. Bart and Brett Maverick. <laughs> Were you yep. out to lunch during that? <laughs> I did miss that. Yeah, I was not in the was not in studio then. <laughs> it, it was one of the highlights of my broadcast <laughs> career. It really was. <laughs> Three minutes into the show. Whoops. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it all. Well, thank you, Dan, for because uh, when Dan is doing what he's doing as the keeper of the big plug, he rarely has to sit and listen to every word of the show. But when we're on uh, on the road, he has to listen to everything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So bless your heart, Dan, for putting up with it. It's uh, you know, doesn't hurt to work every once in a while. I got no problem with that. 
Okay. <laughs> That's a good attitude. Now, be sure that Andrew is capable of walking out of the building because I think he's just being propped up there. We never got Andrew to sing karaoke. Okay, next week, Andrew, you're singing karaoke. <laughs> He's Notice still on that. with the He's call. That, that loud yeah. silence. He's like, mm, I don't know. Huh? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. And also here in the studio, our now executive on-site producer, Caleb Jordan. <laughs> you stick around, you'll be the president of the company. I'm just waiting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come back next week. And we, maybe we can make that happen. Grand Poobah yeah. on Ooh, location. Good. And Tom, stay awake on your drive home. I will do that. <laughs> okay. And uh, all of you guys, thank you very much for hanging out with yeah. us. Uh, we're going to be doing this again uh, next week. Uh, whether you like it or not, we're going to be here. <laughs> thank you so much for sticking around with us. We really appreciate and it. And follow us on Facebook at The Stephen Johnny Show. And like us, and you can sign up for our blog, and we're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell your information. You don't have to worry about any of that nonsense. Well, um, you might worry about it, but, <laughs> but you don't need to. Okay, I think we're out of words. Yeah, we are. Good night. Good night.